This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. I think if you sit inside, eat a bunch of food, watch these crazy, nasty, fearful media reports, I don't think that's doing anything except making us all feel worse, which, again, suppresses our immune system. So I agree with you. Try to get wise the, words, try to get wise right words. Exercise, try to get the right exercise. Try to eat a little healthier. Try to, you know, call loved ones. You know, yep. be a little more joyful. And, you know, that's a great way to approach You're not life. doing... <laughs> Goat Brent. That's Tom Brady on Howard Stern. Take his advice. Swearing too. So refreshing to hear, isn't it? That is nice. Oh, he's just like me. You know, I think about this Not a little radio, bit. But. I think about this a little bit with Tom Brady. Are we going to at obviously he's gonna be the greatest quarterback of all time, mm. but I get the sense he almost wants to be Careful For now. lack of a better example. Careful now. Like Richard Simmons. <laughs> what? <laughs> Where are you going with this? I, I feel like he, like with this TB12 and yeah, yeah. I don't drink coffee and 200 ounces of water and eat the way I eat mm-hmm. and, you know, guacamole, whatever. You know, I feel like it's almost like this health. Like, I get it all. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm fine with it. If that's, hey, there's a lot of truth to it. I'm not going to judge. <laughs> there's a lot of truth to it, right? Yeah. But it's just almost, I feel like. He has almost pushed that. Like I feel like he's playing football to prove that mm. more than he's the greatest of all time. Yeah, you know what I mean. And and again, it's that's fine. Whatever the motivation is, and he might be right. I mean, listen, he might defy logic, and he already has defied logic, really. But he might defy what we know as an athlete. And I think there's a part of him trying to prove that, mm-hmm. and some of it by the healthy habits. But when you listen to him talk like that. And kind of what else he shared on Howard Stern, but really what else he shared with us for the last three, four, five years, all even with the controversy of his trainer that Bill Belichick didn't seem to want around. Yeah. Right. True. And, and, and his loyalty was, was with the trainer. Of course. So I just get that feeling. You know what I mean? Like, I, I understand his football guy, his quarterback guy, his greatest quarterback of all time guy. Mm-hmm. But it's almost like he's already sort of working on that second life of health and wellness guy. But, and I don't know who that would relate to, really. Yeah. You know, like, think about the guy we interviewed at uh, at the Super Bowl two years ago, Diamond Dallas Page. Sure. Right? You know him as a wrestler. Correct. Well, he's almost reinvented himself as, like, a yoga guy, right? Oh, without a doubt. Um, yes. So, now, this would be on a grander scale, I think, than Diamond Dallas Page, although it's very successful with, with what DDP is doing. Yeah. But that's kind of what I'm thinking, you know? It's almost like he's going into that realm of uh, of sharing that this is not an isolated well, incident, uh, not an nice incident, but not an isolated message for Tom Brady. Keep this in mind, though, Brent. Whether we're talking about professional athletes, professional wrestlers, everyday people, like to me, health and like trying to optimize your body. That's like the ultimate competition, right? It would almost be like you go get a car, you know, and then like you're a big car guy. And you tune it up and everything. You add, you know, you add the NOS to it. You add like this new transmission to it. You raise it up a little bit. You put the nice tires on it. You put the intake in. So it's like street ready. And you race everybody because you want to win. You want to be the fastest. Well, one could argue with like, guys like with Tom Brady who, um, try to turn back the hands of time a little bit. Well, like their bodies, that's their car. And like being the competitor that he is, he wants to prove to everybody, like, listen, man, I'm this age right now, but look what I'm still doing. Like, I'm winning the game of life because I'm, you know, 40 something years old 
and my body still performs to the optimum level. So, like, to me, like, that's the ultimate competition. Yes, he plays football. He wants to win Super Bowls. But I think even more than that, it's the challenge to, to stay in tune with his body to prove to people, like, listen, man, I may be old, but I can still do the dang thing. Yeah, you know, listen, it's a, it's a great example of it because Maurice Jones-Drew used to say it all the time. He's like, our our body is our our our, our money. Business, yeah. You know, it's our business. Body's a business, yeah. yep. And so, and if you think about that way, like you think about just the normal folks, or us, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Uh, not the athletes. Uh, there are so many people that will take care of their car more than they'll take care of their body. Well, we've seen how much Clay mean, Campbell spends per year on his body. Yeah, but again, and athletes Six understand digits. that, right? I yeah. feel like athletes understand that. The rest of our culture or our population doesn't for some odd reason. We don't connect that. Yeah. And I always say this, right? Because we've been trying to be a little careful, whether it's the intermittent fasting or doing sure. getting a lot of exercise in during this time. I normally do it during this time anyway after in between football seasons. But I I always say it, too, when I go back in. It's like, why don't I always do this? I feel so much better. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. But then you just fall back into into whatever else. Um, so I get it. Yeah. I get it. I just find it interesting with Brady. Mm-hmm. You know, he could just sit there and say, greatest quarterback of all time, get fat and happy on that. And he's not. Like, he, well, it's almost like there's something else out there, which is kind of cool, really, yeah. uh, for Brady. Now, whether you want to fall into line with it, believe it, subscribe to it, all that, that's up to you. But at least he's got some other passion, I think. And message something. Uh, you talk about goals, right? Yeah. Something he can cross off. Well, and that's what I'm actually curious to see when he retires, whenever that's going to be. Is does he stick at it? Does he stick to this strict diet, or does he indulge a little bit more? Does he enjoy himself? Does he go from the finely tuned Thor to a fat Thor like we saw in the last <laughs> Avengers movie? You know, like I, I think it's a legitimate question. And I'm not saying you know one's right, one's wrong. You can do whatever you want. I think you see with a lot of professional athletes when they retire, when they're done, you know, and they get an office job. Then they, you know, they, they cease to train like they used to just because, like, you got to think about it. If you're an athlete, you, you trained your whole life for a sport, right? Like, you train so you can be faster. You train so you can throw a ball harder. You train so, you know, you can be more in tune, whatever it is. But you train because of that reason. Well, when that reason is taken away from you, now it's like you're just training for the fundamentals. You're training because it's healthy. Well, a lot of guys don't co-sign on that because a lot of guys, it's like, well, if, if I don't have to train for anything, then why train? Like, uh, yeah. me, me and my friends... I got human nature. Oh, exactly. And I've had this conversation many times with some guys I played college football with. They're like, dude, I don't, you know, I don't need to squat anymore. I don't need to do anything anymore just because ball's done for me. So, um, you know, it's, it's interesting to get both sides of it. And, you know, let's place our bets right now where we see Tom Brady being after he retires. I, I think he's still going to be, you know, the, the health guy that he is just because Giselle and everything like that. But uh, I'm curious to see where it, where it goes from there. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see it. All right, uh, Yannick Ngakwe, here's the story, okay? Uh, buddy Pete Prisco uh, recently, according to CBS Sports, said the Jags' own shot, owner, Shad Khan, does not want to, to trade Ngakwe, which, by the way, and I love Spoiler Pete. Spoiler uh, alert. We've been saying it. I mean, if you've been listening to the show at all, it's been really a big, and I've said it's an underrated talking point in the whole Yannick Ngakwe thing, mm-hmm. is that Shad Khan doesn't want to move him for a variety of reasons. Likes him as a player, isn't going to give in to another player, and now feels like he's in a corner a little bit because of some of the things and, I think, actions of Yannick Ngakwe. I think it's multifaceted there. I don't think there's one reason. But I do think tops on the list, they like him as a player Mm. and a person, and they want to keep him in there. They really do. They don't want to give in on this front. So we've been saying it for weeks and really months uh, with the Shad Khan angle, but... uh, 
ESPN's Adam Schefter echoed that notion on Wednesday, according to this article. He said there will be people in the organization like the owner who will not want to move him, which means that they'll be firmer in their price. But if they don't trade him, they've got a mess on their hands. Well, I think the mess is happening now. What's interesting, and you've brought this up a couple of times, is how far does Jan take it? Mm-hmm. And does that help him to take it further? Again, Ramsey, now in hindsight, you could say, even though I think it was a terrible look for him, and I'll always think it's a terrible look for him, as much as I like Ramsey as a player and appreciated him as a player, I think it showed signs of quitting on your team. Sure. I don't think it was very good teammate kind of stuff. Sure. Uh, all that. Got but what it, he wanted. Though, but he got he? what he wanted yep. because of maybe the timing. You could argue the timing of when he did it because they didn't want to deal with that, right? You can argue the timing you can argue that the price, you know, like the what with it got for Jalen Ramsey was too good to pass up. You can argue all those things, but at the end of the day, the stuff that the distraction, the 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 drama that he was cultivating for himself, I mean, it was eventually going to get to the team as well. So the Jackson Jaguars, in my opinion, had to make a move, and that's why they traded. And him. so that brings the question up: Could and got in terms of being a mess, could Ngakwe, if he's not traded, which I don't think he's going to be, I really mm-hmm. don't. I still stay firm on that. If he's not traded by the fall as the season starts and in camp, does he become a headache to the point where they want to get rid of him? Why is not? that the time to do it? Well, why not is he still has to – you still have to get something in return. Sure. So I think why not is twofold here. One, do people value him as a player like they value – one team needed to value Jalen Ramsey the way he did. And I know one team will need to value Ngakwe mm-hmm. to be able to trade for him. But if he's not the top guy at his position, kind of like Ramsey was. He's top what, 10, though, I would say. Okay, I would but argue. W- when you're top 10 and not top two or three, what are you willing to put up with as an organization? Sure. Okay, and you're going to give up stuff to put up with. Because now you start saying, okay, who is, if he's willing to do this, what else would he be willing to do down the road for us if we run into that situation? I think it's a fair question to ask if you're a franchise. Um the other thing is, and I think it's a bigger one, and I think you agree with me here, is does he have the makeup to do it? Mm-hmm. He's not Jalen, man. He's not. Jalen is a different cat like that. Mm-hmm. And I think this guy is principle-based, chip on his shoulder, works his ass off guy, and good teammate guy, wants to be good leader guy. That is a, if you get, if you, I put those traits on a board, man, it's hard to become Jalen. Mm. I don't care who you are. It's hard to do it. Mm. I think even this stuff has been hard to do for him. I don't think he wants to do it like this. And so can he do it? Absolutely. We'll see if he goes there. Mm-hmm. Can he pull it off, I guess, is what I'm asking. Can mm. he play that heel to that degree? I don't know, man. I don't know. It's a guy who loves playing football. I think he loves te- his teammates. I don't think he – I think Jalen Ramsey loves playing football. He does. Uh, I don't know if he. Right I don't know if he cared about any of his teammates, though. Mm, yeah, and, and, he cared about and that's a, number you know, one. And that's a fair observation. But once again, I'm, I'm going to say this: If you're Yannick Ngakwe right now, you don't get traded before the draft. You don't get traded after the draft, and you have to show up for training camp, and you have to abide by the franchise tag. Do you have a better chance of getting traded if you keep quiet and just mind your own business, be a good teammate, or do you have a better chance of getting traded if you cause a scene, if you bring the media scrutiny, and if you bring drama? The answer is B. And the answer will always be B until something changes in the NFL. I get it. Antonio Brown at the time for the Steelers, one of the best wide receivers in the league, throws his general manager, wide receiver, running back underneath the bus. Quarterback. Quarterback (laughs) underneath the bus says that any team that takes him is going to play by his rules. 
That's worse than Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey never said that. And I quote, going to play by my rules. John Gruden says, oh, that's cool. I'll, I'll bite on that. They bring him to Oakland, and we saw what happened there. And all that just, I mean, it was a mess, Brent. It was an absolute mess. What happened after that? Bill Belichick's like, oh, very cool. Check this out. Ah, oh, yeah, well, what's up? You, got, you don't want to be in Oakland? You, you staged a coup, basically, via social media and a social media team? That's yeah, cool. Come to New England and see how it gets down there. So, like, I'm saying if you're good enough and if you have a premium position, you can get whatever you want, man. I do think and, Antonio and, Brown's different level even than Ramsey, but I get well, your Well, I point. mean, Antonio Brown, you can say top wide receiver, at least top three in the NFL. And it's a, it could be a premium position. But my point is pass rusher, top ten. 25 years old, very young right now. Yeah. You mean to tell me that if you keep on doing what you're doing as far as trying to cause a controversy, you won't get what you want? Because I, I guarantee eventually, number one, a team's going to come a-calling, no, regardless of how you act, because we've seen in the past. And number two, the Jaguars don't want to put up with that headache. Okay, so there's another part of this, all right? Lock and four, uh, Jason Lock and four from CBS Sports, who can be a little bit all over the map, quite frankly, but uh, suggested recently that Ngakwe could easily net the long-term money he seeks. I wouldn't, no, no doubt. I mean, it's a pass rusher position. Yeah. Although, I think Lock and four and others might have said the same about Clowney. Sure. Uh, you know, a couple of months ago, and I'm not sure where that still sits, although the latest on Clowney in the last couple of weeks has been he's willing to wait. So he's not in a rush where Jan is clearly in a rush to, to try to get well, out of here. He's been in a rush and, since last year, bro. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but anyway, he says something like $18 million per season. And that caught my attention because I'm like, wait a minute. It's cheap if you think about what it the now. Hell, what the heck are we doing here? Yeah. $18 million a season is now what we're seeking or put, potentially could be seeking. Mm. Again, this is just a report. So... But it's not crazy to believe. It's not because that's where the market has landed. Yeah. And I'm just like sitting here like, what are we doing? Like, this could have been $18 million easy a year ago. Sure. Yeah. Well, and I understand the market. Like, there was last year the market was different. Though. Keep I, that I in get, mind. I there do was inflation get it. last year. I, well, yeah. And there were, there were the recent deals of Clark and uh, Lawrence. Lawrence. But it still doesn't prevent me from saying... I mean, I don't believe it was a $19 million offer it last wasn't. year. Yeah. But I do believe it was probably around 18. Mm-hmm. I, you know, even if it was a shade under, you can talk that over, though, right? You can get to that. Like, the- getting to the point, I just, it just baffles me that if he ends up signing, which I do believe is going to happen. Like, if he does get out of here, mm-hmm. I believe he's going to sign a, let's say, five-year, $90 million deal. Yeah. Say something in that neighborhood, and I'll be like, well, I feel like the Jags would have, we could have, if we just kept the communication open like Brent had asked, yeah. like last year, we could have got there. Like, well, that could have happened. Like, and now, so you could look back and be like, why did all this happen over the last five, six, seven, eight months? And for less money maybe than even the Jets, or around the same dollars that everybody scoffed at last year. Listen, this is something that I'm never going to understand unless it's me and Tom Coughlin at the Jack's Beach Bars just throwing back beers and he kind of gives it up to me, which that will never happen, obviously. Um, in be terms, fun, though. That would be fantastic. I'd have a blast. We talk defense all day, Brian. I wonder what he drinks. So drink a choice. It's a good call. A little scotch? Ooh, brandy probably. R- really old school, right? <laughs> old brandy school? old school? Yeah, Brandy's like, oh, yeah. it's like Brandy's what's in, like, Sangria, right? It's in Sangria? Yeah. Uh, that I can't tell you. I'm pretty oh, sure. Okay. Uh, 
No, it's like wine. Is it a wine and? Yeah, but I think there's like a mix. Okay, of all I know is Brandy's like. That's old school. It's gonna put hair. It's gonna put hair in your chest, man. You scared? Okay. I thought scotch good. was like that. Scotch is like that too. I mean, it's kind of like the, the, it's it's the same family. Like I think Brandy's like the Tiger King cousin <laughs> of scotch. Okay. <laughs> Which was the Carol Basket? Uh, I'm not, I'm not oh, getting sorry. into it. I'm not getting into it. That's tequila. <laughs> not, not getting into that right now. But what I'll never understand, Brent, is let's say Yannick Ngaku got lowballed. Okay, let's say he was looking realistically with the market last year around 19 to 20 million dollars. Let's say the Jaguars lowballed him at maybe 17.5 or maybe 18 or maybe even lower than that. Whatever it was, let's say that happened. So they give Yannick Ngakwe and his team, his agent or whatever, they give him the you know the, the contract. They say, hey, we want we 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 value Yannick Ngakwe. We're gonna offer him this much, and they say no, it's okay. Let's get some more money, and that's it. And then you just cease talking. I'll never understand why you just cease talking, because what does what does that accomplish when you cut off lines of communication? Now, I'm not sure if it came from the Jaguars' end or Yannick's camp. I would imagine it came from the Jaguars' end of things because why would an agent just say, well, we're not talking anymore? That makes no sense. Get your client paid. So I'll never understand whether it was Tom Coughlin calling the shots, whoever it was, why you just ceased all communications after one offer, man. Like, were you trying to establish dominance and be like, well, it's all right or the highway? That's not how business works, and that's not how the NFL works with proud individuals, guys with egos, guys that work hard. You cannot do that and run a successful franchise. I'll, I'll just never understand why that transpired in those negotiations like it did. Here's where, here's what I think happened, and that this is all interpretation, by the way. I have yeah. no, no uh, firm idea uh, other than I feel like it's been discussed, and we've talked, and I've talked to folks <laughs> enough to kind of start figuring it out. And I think it was what I think I'd be careful of here is I just can't believe and fathom that it's like one offer, right? It was, hey, uh, we want to get, let's just say it was 18 million a year. Well, we want 21 million a year. That's what Clark and Lawrence got. Hey, uh, okay, what about 18 and a half or 19 million? You know, we'll get to 19 million per or something. And we want 21. Yeah. Okay, well. <laughs> Maybe that's how you know what I mean. Like, did the Jags move up at all? I bet they did. I, I bet they got further up than what they started. I don't know if the uh, if Jan's number changed given the given the uh, atmosphere, right? Given the the scene with pass rushers with uh, Clark and Lawrence at twenty one, mm-hmm. and I think that's kind of where it started to break down. But again, you know, I, but, we're on the same page. However many times it happened, it doesn't then, matter. Communication should have stayed open the entire time. I've always said that. I've said it for, since last August. And I just think it's ironic that we could get back to the number that it was around anyway but, a year later. But then with Exactly. And listen, this is all hindsight's 2020. We're looking back in the past, and I, and I hate to do that. But, like, you made the offer whatever it was. And you, you you communicate there, but then it seemed like you spent more time communicating. Like, yeah, well, we we try to offer Yannick Ngakwe nineteen million dollars because obviously those rumors leaked out. And guess what? Probably wasn't from Yannick Ngakwe's camp because once again, if you're trying to run a successful agency in the NFL, why would you leak the number if it's not high enough? So one could assume Tom Coughlin, someone in that building, leaked the number, so they're communicating. Why not focus that energy and trying to get a deal done? I'll just I'll, I'll never understand it, man. Yeah. Well, uh, here's what I would do if I were the Jags. If you want to, if if these numbers float around, or when Clowney gets signed, and you float Clowney's number out there and say it ends up being sixteen million, if I was the Jags, I'd actually put what was out there. 
or what our best offer has been over the last year. Not going to hurt. Now, I would put it out there because it'd be like, hey. Unless it's way too low. I mean, who knows? Well, yeah, yeah. Unless, unless it is. But a I, slap in the you face. Know, I, I, I've. I don't know. Is, is, I is that like, why it hasn't been out there? Because uh, what that was could it be. that low? That could be. You yeah. know. And again, you know, here's the thing. Everybody goes off 18, 19 million a year. What the confusing part is and why I think it's harder to than that is you know this because you've been in the business, but is it guaranteed money? Is it yeah. with incentives? With you know, so from the team's perspective, like, hey, yeah, you can make up to nineteen million dollars. See, that's how this all came out. Was it a lie that it could be nineteen million dollars? No, I don't think so. But how did you get to the nineteen million is totally different in terms of the er- interpretation from the other side of what it actually was, like annually, um, or then could be. That's mm-hmm. two different. Those are two different scenarios, and so you got to be careful of that. That's again, that's what I believe. That's where I think the messaging was mixed mm-hmm. when that did end up coming out uh, last year. All right, but there's other things in here. So the 18 million struck me. I'm like, my goodness. I mean, we didn't. I mean, listen. We again, we're sending a gift basket to Jan at some point for all the radio conversation. We nice appreciate it. arrangement. Uh, but did we really have to be here? It, it made me wonder with the 18 million. <clears throat> Couple other quotes in here. Outside of Jacksonville, uh, is, is where he'd seek that 18 million. Inside of Jacksonville, will probably take 30. <laughs> That's me talking, not him. Yeah. Um, but the quote is, willing to make a smart football trade and just unload him for a late second round pick and a three from a good team. Hey, lock and four. Who's you're out of your Jason mind. Yeah, well. I mean, you're out of your mind. There's no way the Jags are giving up a late second and a third for Jan. Yeah. I wouldn't do it. Yeah. I, again, I'd franchise tag him twice. Yeah. I wouldn't even think about it. I wouldn't do it. Uh, Schefter now adding Wednesday that Jacksonville is looking for a first-rounder, maybe then some. They should be. It should be a first-rounder and then some. Yeah, yeah. Again, if you tell me that Jan gets traded for a first-round pick, and most likely that first-round pick is going to be at like 24 or 26 or whatever, I'm not going to be happy with that deal. Mm. Like If I was a Jags fan, I would not be happy with that deal. Mm. I wouldn't do that deal. I would roll the dice and say play on the tag. Let me ask you this. Would you rather the Jaguars trade for a first-round pick and maybe, let's say, a third to make you happy? Yes. Or or would you rather have them bring in a guy that can come in and contribute to the team right away in a big way? Like? I don't know, man. Like a, uh, a legit linebacker, a legit tight end, a legit defense, like, like a defensive end that can come and take you I would feel better place. about that, yeah. I would feel okay. better if you told me a guy. Like, Maybe a you know, corner. Well, we had had the Trent Williams conversations. Yeah. I know it doesn't add up, but you're saying in a situation like this, like a guy like Trent Williams, we'd be like, okay, that's you're upgrading your left tackle spot. You yeah. know what you have there, mm-hmm. and now I'm counting on that, mm-hmm. and I get some other compensation, whether it is like a third rounder or something. Yeah. Like, you know, we're, like Trent Williams doesn't make sense there because he's 31 years old. Yeah. But for the point of the conversation, I get what you're saying, and I would, I, I think I almost feel better about that. I feel better about that than just a first rounder. I actually do. Yeah. Like I, I just, uh, and I'm still not sure I feel great about that. Depends mm-hmm. who the player is sure. <laughs> in the situation. No, yeah. um, but 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 it's interesting because it, it, it asks the question: Do you? put it all in the draft and do you bank on the future or do you need to bring a guy in right now that can contribute right away? Yeah. So that's what I'm trying to get that's out of fair. Yeah. Uh, Lock and four, by the way, reiterated this week, at, uh, according to this article, that the Philadelphia Eagles are interested in the Pro Bowler, but it'd have to be at their price. Well, again, I'm here to tell you it's going to be at Shad Khan's <laughs> well, price more than it's going to be at Philly's price. Everyone's interested in somebody at their price. Absolutely. Tell me, hey, Captain Obvious, tell me something I don't know. But doesn't that also, if that's true, at their price, doesn't that like e- the Eagles seem like they might be a team that's interesting? Their name has been thrown around, and there makes some sense, right? With Schwartz there and everything. Yeah. But doesn't that also kind of check? It's like, man, the market just does not 
scream at you like, man, we want a pass rusher. Because, again, at their price indicates, well, maybe they're only willing to give up a second rounder and a third. Yeah. You know, which, again, then, I would just say in Jacksonville, that's not good enough. But then, and I'm not sure like, what Brady looks like for next year, but then why do I feel like next year guys are going to have, like, you know. Maybe. 10-plus sacks, you know, for a free agency, and all of a sudden, oh, here's 23, here's 24, here's 25 million. Yeah. I just, it changes. You know, we it see does. the running back thing roll like that. Uh, but anyway, that was, a, uh, there's interesting points in that article, but I kind of feel like we've been telling you a lot about that mm-hmm. for a while now. Shad Khan is a player in this. Yeah. I think more so than people talk about and think is really the message uh, from, from us. Uh, when we get back, you know, there's a part of this whole shutdown that we haven't talked a lot about, and that's high school. We visit uh, with one person that will shed some light on where that situation is at right now. Uh, coming up on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. That ball hit deep to right field. Tyler goes back, looks up. You can't put it on the ball. In his first event in the 93 season. Homer's to right field, and what a moment this is for that man. Bo knows everything. Yep. I would think if you give me the give me three of the best dual sport athletes. No, nah, just like uh Maybe physical specimens of all time that you've seen play sports. I would. Greg Jones. <laughs> Greg Jones. <laughs> Greg Jones. That's Greg good. Jones. Yeah, Greg Jones on that list, isn't he? Yeah. Um, let's go a little bigger name. Greg Jones. <laughs> Across the board. We're in Jacksonville, sir. Okay, go ahead. What do you got? I, I mean, Bo and Herschel Walker come to mind. Yeah. And I gotta believe, like Jim Brown. Would would feels like he's on that list. Like I never watched him play, but yeah, and he was before my time. I think Shaq, man, like Shaq was I'm not saying like ripped or anything, but like, that guy was a, yeah, a good call. Yeah, he'd be a good call. Would you put LeBron there? Diesel. Well, and I thought about him, you know, but it, LeBron was is would be on the short list because again, I don't think you're making people like that. Like you don't. Like, mm. Do we see that? Like like Zion Williamson isn't that? You know. You, have we seen in 17 years anybody come into the league that even resembles LeBron James? See, that wasn't the problem with Jordan. Jordan was unbelievable, but you've got, like, he's like Tiger Woods. Yeah. Tiger Woods, we have a million Tiger Woods now. Mm-hmm. You know, they come in all different shapes, sizes, and colors, but they all have this swing that can pound it 350 yards down the fairway, you know? Jordan is like that with basketball. I mean, Kobe himself. But there have been a million more hoopsters that kind of look like Jordan. They didn't play like Jordan. There's a big difference in what we're talking about. So you can find, what was Jordan anyway? Was he like six uh, six or seven? I think he was like six, six, if I'm not mistaken. I looked that up. It's funny because he doesn't come across that way. Six, six. Yeah, but. Six, six, yeah. Like you feel like in our in our world, six six feels so massive. Oh yeah, Jordan never came Just across on everybody. But Jim, 
Jordan didn't come across as tall. No, he came across as like kind of like the underdog yeah. type, with the shorter you know. guy. Yeah. So that's why in these fadeaway jump shots, he comes across to me more like the six-two guy. Yeah. Then he does the six six guy. You know, like what makes it kind of. I mean, obviously like Cordell Stewart growing up with him a little bit. Like you know, I mean that was a guy that kind of stood out to me. But like you know who I, I keep going back to right now as we're thinking about this topic of just a different kind of specimen who had a different kind of body for the sport and everything. The bus, Jerome Bettis. He did, but I and, mean uh, he's uh, sloppy. Well, d- Brent, he was still a legit running back. You say was, what you want about but, him. But and you're right, he's different. And he that's was different. He was a different guy. Yeah, yeah different um, beast. I, I give you that. Would you say like Marshawn Lynch then? Like, cause they, cause he was yeah, always like but, trucking people over, you know? Yeah, but I can say Marshawn Lynch. I can go, you know, Brandon Jacobs. I can go Eddie George, um, Mike Allstott. Like, just to me, Jerome Bass was different just because, like, like, his, like you said, Brent, his physique was, you know, it wasn't the, the healthiest weight that he had on, but he made it work for him. So I, I think uh, I, I'd love the. If you got some other ones, let me know. But I'm thinking in the in the scope of it that I'm thinking, and you're not wrong with some of the basketball players, basketball players, and LeBron might be in the category because again, you don't make them like this. Bo Jackson, you don't make people like that. Yeah, you really don't. You can have two sports stars, but you don't make them like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Jim Brown, I think I feel like he was kind of like that. Again, it's be- way before my time. And and what like he he was unbelievable at lacrosse. I mean, people think he was. Like one of the best lacrosse players to ever play, Mm -hmm. if I'm not mistaken, Mm -hmm. and on top of the football stuff. So that's why I kind of feel that way about him. He was just a special athlete that they didn't make like that at the time, you know? Um, And obviously, Herschel Walker feels the same way. The size, the speed, the thousand push-ups a day, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Just just different in Mm -hmm. that regard. and. I, I guess LeBron now, Shaq, you're right because of his just massive humanity. Um, I don't know. I kind of stop at those three, though, uh, yeah. at, at, in my in my mind. Yeah. I mean, like, listen. And you could throw a bunch out there. I mean, you really could. Have they made could, another but. Jim Brown? Probably not. Have they made another Bo Jackson? Probably not. Like, Deion Sanders played dual sports. But it wasn't anything like Bo Jackson. Yeah. And Nobody's then, come along since Bo. Yeah. Like, Herschel, again, was different. Yeah. I mean, you, you could argue Kyler Murray. I mean, he's not even in the, in the realm of, like, talent maybe yet. We don't know. But like I'm saying, I mean, first-round pick in the MLB. Yeah, but but, but uh, Murray will be more Dion-esque. Like, yeah. the, again, I'm not saying they'll be as talented, but they'll make the guy. Sure. They'll make the mold. I'm just saying. They won't make the mold of Herschel Walker, man, running the football the way he did. I'm just saying the mold, like, they have made the mold of Shaquille O'Neal before. But no one's ever even come close to living up to the stats That's good. That's and true. just what have Shaquille we, O'Neal was. Have we seen anybody in the NBA that looks like Shaquille since he retired? I mean, like, there was, you know, there's like, Sean, remember Sean May? Was Sean May probably a little shorter than Shaquille O'Neal shorter. was? Um, tractor trailer from the Bucks, May rest in peace. He was yeah. kind of a bigger guy. Shorter. But like I said, like, nobody even came close to Shaq. Yeah, no, I think I think you're right on it. I think Shaq and I think LeBron is yeah. in the category. Yeah. I really do. I, when you talk about it from that score, again, I, I think making the mold is actually a good little phrase to use when we talk about this mm-hmm. because you just don't see that kind of athlete very mm-hmm. often. Um, you know, not say athletes are cookie cutter. Sure. But, you know, quarterbacks look the part, yeah. you know. Uh, wide receivers kind of look, whether well, you're 6'5 or 6'1 or whatever it is, but yeah. they look that way. Well, and let's be honest, if there's a kid coming up in high school at Shaq size, there's going to be a football coach who's going to be like, well, you know what, you can't shoot a three-pointer, so you have no future in the NBA because that's all big men do now, so come play football for me. Yeah. Like, we, we may never see another Shaquille O'Neal again. Like, I believe down the line there will be another LeBron James. Eventually. Yeah, I wonder. Eventually. 
I think. I believe down the line there'll be another, you know, maybe Kobe Bryant even. But, like, I have a hard time visualizing that down the line there's going to be another Shaquille O'Neal. Sorry, I got on this topic and forgot all about Coach Kevin. Oh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just hanging on. He could have joined in the conversation. Absolutely. I man. mean, who do you think, Coach? Give I mean, high school athletes. So, thanks, thanks for hanging with us. Sorry to keep you on while we discuss the greatest athletes of all time. But am I right about Jim Brown? No, you're right about Jim Brown. Uh, Bo, definitely. Uh, Earl Campbell would be in that conversation, too. Now. Yeah, he's very Herschel-esque, right? Yeah, very Herschel-esque. And, and Austin, Greg Jones, I'll tell you a story about Greg Jones. Is Leon's there the summer of his freshman year at Florida State. Okay. And we're out watching him throw seven-on-seven seven or whatever they were doing. I said to Leon, What's, who's that, the linebacker? He goes, no, Coach, that's Greg Jones. I'm like, holy <laughs> crap. I was like, holy crap. I said, somebody's got to tackle him. And he's like, oh, yeah, Coach, not me, though. It's absolutely insane just how just, I mean, he, the, the guy was a human action figure. He was a human G.I. Joe. He was a human X-Men, call him whatever, uh, you know, superhero you want to call him, but he was like that, and, and, he, and he worked hard for that. Like, the guy ate grilled chicken and broccoli for every single meal. M- meanwhile, I'm downing, you know, like burritos and, and orange chicken. Dude, he's just rocking grilled chicken the whole time. Uh, Coach Kevin Sullivan talking about Leon Washington, uh, yeah. you know, obviously from Florida State. Uh, you know, Greg Jones, in many respects, was like, yesteryears and not very far back yesteryear, D.K. Metcalf. Yeah, no, yeah. absolutely. You know? Except yeah. his lower half, Greg Jones' thighs were both of my two legs put together, yeah. one of his thighs. Uh, you got chicken legs, Coach, but I mean, <laughs> I get what you're saying. You know what I mean? He was like, he looked like he played, uh, you know, like he was playing the Mike linebacker running downhill, throwing, killing dudes, you know what I mean? Well, it was, it was it was amazing. And, Coach, and uh, I've shared this story before, but we're playing in Pittsburgh, and we're going against Lamar Woodley at the time, who was like a pro bowl, all pro type of outside linebacker. And you know Greg Jones was never very a vocal guy. He was a really low-key, soft-spoken kind of guy. Well, Woodley got in his face for whatever reason, pushed Jones after the whistle, and I watched Greg Jones the next play because I could see, like, something clicked in him, and he was ready to go. <laughs> and Greg Jones, I kid you not, you can go back and watch the game if you don't believe me, Literally just manhandled Woodley, grabbed him like a toddler, and just held him down on the ground. Like, took him down and then held him there. And Woodley tried to get back up, and he couldn't do it. It looked like he was a toddler, I, I swear, man. And, and, that, and I was like, listen, Greg Jones, man, sometimes we, you know, we'd go back and forth in practice. I'm like, I'm never picking a fight with that guy because I'd probably lose that one nine times out of ten. I would say, you know, thinking about your sport, you know, yeah. it, it was Kimbo Slice that kind of came out yeah. of the underground, right? Yeah. Why didn't Greg Jones have become, like, Kimball oh. slice in that sense. <laughs> because you know? Greg Jones is too nice, man. He like, is a nice guy. Greg Jones is a so soft-spoken, soft-spoken individual, gentle giant. I always say that. I would, you know, in fact, you'd say, uh, who would you like to go in a, if you had to go to a dark alley? In, dark alley, yeah. I'd take Greg Jones oh, with me, man. Greg Jones is first team dark alley team all day for me, man. <laughs> all day. First, first team. team dark alley team. I like that. Unanimous first team. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, Coach Kevin Sullivan. How you doing, man? I uh, hope you and the family are doing well. Uh, these are crazy times. Uh, you, you are kind of the acting athletic director uh, at least at last check at jackson high school um what is going on how are you guys handling it and and give us an update well uh the first off thing that i'd like to say is i'll tell you what our superintendent dr diane green has done a tremendous job doing what her and her staff have been able to put together basically we, we we were on spring break and we come back and then we're shut down for a week and all of a sudden we take the whole district to online learning like that and there were some hiccups and everything but man 
I'll tell you one thing. I've been so impressed with her and her leadership and her vision of what she thought we needed to do. So first off, that would be be uh, tremendous uh, for our kids and having some solid leadership. The second thing, Brent, that's, that's been interesting is November 7th, we play in the state championship game, and our two seniors know that's their last basketball game in high school. Well, we get done, we go on spring break, and next thing you know, our baseball seniors at all the county, all the state, everywhere now, the lacrosse, the track, the softball girls, tennis, their senior year done. <laughs> you know, so they didn't get an ending to their senior year, whereas at least like our basketball kids, those two seniors, they knew that was going to be their last high school game. So in that retrospect, this thing as on the high school level has taken on a whole like different thing as far as I feel sorry, not sorry, but I feel sorry for this senior class. No prom, no grad bash or grad night. So it's like uncharted areas. And we don't even know like in, in Duval yet about graduation. I think they're going to do something the way it looks like, but I mean, you don't even know like if that's going to happen. So all this is just crazy. You know, I've been doing this like 34 years. This is like the craziest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. And absolutely. And so many different walks of life. And I, you said it, man. And I think we said it before. Um, you really do feel for the kids. Uh, it, these are life memories that can be made. And, and I, I understand, uh, you know, some people think the prom's more important than others or walking across the right. stage for graduation is more important. That's fine. Mm-hmm. But there are a lot of people that really think that's a, a big part uh, mm-hmm. of being a kid and um you do i feel for those folks i feel if you really value that and and there's no problem with value in that uh i think um i just feel for those folks it's a tough time it's a that's a time in the scrapbook if you will that that you just right. can't get back um and then there is the sports side of it you know you mentioned the spring sports all the folks that worked hard getting into the season and then bam just no finality to it now there has not been unless i missed something recently the FHSAA is still kind of holding out on on full elimination right yeah they're still hold yeah they're still holding out but you know the longer we go it's going to be harder and harder for them to be able to justify doing that because, you know, um, you take, okay, baseball. Let's say we go back to school May 1st. Well, you've got still final exams and then all the senior activities and graduations, and you're going to try to continue to run the playoff system. So you're going to run into 50, what, six counties that are all going to have different graduation, different senior events, different things everybody's going to try to squeeze in. And uh, it's going to be a monumental task if if we get to go back on the 1st of May or the 3rd of May, whatever it is. So I feel for those guys uh, trying to keep some hope and realm together. But I think within the next week or two, we'll get a real finalization on everything, especially as we get closer to the May 1st deadline. Hey, Coach, and I hope you mind, I'm still going to call you Coach because you were a coach, and as they say, once a coach, always a coach. But in terms of, like, you know, the sports like baseball and softball, in terms of recruiting, like, how does that affect the athletes, right? Because, I mean, obviously this is a chance to showcase your skills and, you know, try to earn a scholarship. Well, now that's taken away from you. I mean, are there some student athletes right now that are struggling maybe to get a college, um, you know, scholarship just because the season got shut down? Uh, yeah, I, I think that's has some. Now, a lot of the baseball kids and a lot of the softball kids this late into their senior year have probably had their looks or had the opportunities uh, to do something. But you'll still have a few of the kids um, 
that would come out their senior year and have a tremendous year, and especially with all the junior colleges in baseball and softball in this state, would have an opportunity to go on and do that. So now um, I think they'll have more of a walk-on opportunity. And, and then, again, another factor that people haven't looked at is they're talking about the baseball players in college and the softball players in college being able to gain that year of eligibility back. Well, that cuts out another whole group of kids they can sign because of the numbers for NCAA baseball and NCAA softball and, and those things. So that's a whole nother realm that people haven't even talked about. Well, absolutely. Kevin Sullivan with us, uh, you know, helps us out uh, as our Carlor analyst on our game of the week on ESPN 690 on Friday nights in the fall. Uh, Hall of Fame coach on the football side and now acting athletic director at Jackson High School. So good to hear from uh, Coach Kevin Sullivan on the high school front. And you bring up a, a that's a great point, by the way. How will the numbers add up? It looks like they'll have expanded rosters, so they may be able to justify some of that and figure that out. And not all the athletes, at least from a senior perspective, will take advantage of that renewed year of eligibility if they want it so the numbers game will be tricky there but how about in high school there are thoughts at least on the outset of this i think governor DeSantis had said they'll kids may even have the option to stay back the year and regain that year uh depending on how this goes i don't think there's any official word on that yet but that is at least Hmm. out there as a possibility and i think the fhsaa has not eliminated spring sport athletes eligibility somehow getting that back in some way shape or form which i don't even know how that would happen yeah i mean what are are there hypotheticals out there for well i don't i don't know i don't know if you know that'll be harder I mean, if you if you're a diehard like baseball, and that's everything you've done your life and everything like that, you probably have other avenues um, as far as colleges or junior college or whatever going on. I, I just can't see them. I can't see them giving them those kids. Well, you were uh, all Amer- you were all state in football, and you're you got a chance to get drafted in baseball. Well, if you come back another year, you can't play football, but you can play baseball. I, yeah. I just I don't know how that's going to, you know what I mean? I just don't know how that's going to work out. I mean, I think saying it at one point is keeping everybody's hope up. But I think that's a big can of worms that they're going to open up if they do that. I think so, too. I think that would be very difficult on the high school level. College, totally different. They're not age restrictions um, in, in the college level stuff. But uh, there are age restrictions currently, especially for a lot of those spring sports, depending on what age you are when you start the school right. year uh, in the state of Florida. So there's a lot to figure out here and a lot to still be determined. All right. One last thing, uh, and then we'll let you run. You obviously coach for a long time in on the football side. I, uh, if I'm being completely transparent, I I know there's you always want as a coach you want more reps and your players and all that stuff. I'm not saying there's no value to the spring in high school football. I just think even in college, I think the spring can be a little bit overvalued. I think OTAs and offseason conditioning in the NFL can be overvalued. So I know it's going to be hard to get you to say <laughs> that you're not missing much in the spring. But so how, from a coaching perspective, how detrimental is it for some of these teams in high school to not be getting the, what is it, 20 practices or 15 practices right. and maybe playing a little bit of a spring game too? I don't think the game's that important. I know everybody thinks like the spring game is that important, but here's here's where it's important and where it's a factor. Uh, 
our new head coach that we hired in December, Chris Foy, was really looking forward to our to his first spring. The coach at Rebolt, the new hire at Rebolt. Now, Reigns is going to have a new coach in this spring. Uh, Fletcher's got a new coach. I think those guys, those programs, this spring is much more important than, say, Daryl Sutherland's spring at Bartram Trail or maybe even uh, – Joey Wiles' spring, I'm not Joey Wiles, Brian Braddock's spring at St. Augustine, where they've been entrenched in their program and they've had that tradition and everything. Even though they've got kids to replace, they know they've got kids to replace. They've already been working towards that, who's going where. But where it's a big factor is that the guys that are just getting started this year uh, in the spring. And, again, spring football is tremendous in high school because, number one, all the recruiters that come through, uh, has been is tremendous for the kids, but it also gets you a good handle back on your kids. And um, you know, we always used to say, "There's fall football, there's off-season weights," and then we got back from spring break, it was fall football again. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, that's how we met. It was all the way fall football from spring break until hopefully December when you got done. But. Um, that's where I think it's a factor of some of the kids um, with the new coaching staff and those guys get put at a little disadvantage. You know, that's a really good point, too, and I'm glad you brought that up because that's one that enlightened me a little bit. The recruiting part of that mm-hmm. is, yes. is, you know, because it's uh, it's an open period for all that stuff. And see, what has happened in the NCAA is I think uh, yep, again, there's so many, they've stopped it. They've halted every bit of recruiting in any sport until at least May 31st, I believe it is now. They just extended that. So that's a really good point, uh, Kevin Sullivan, about the recruiting aspect. And I think you're right on about those first-year coaches and the new coaches and trying to you know, get your culture going, all those things. In fact, you're a Florida State guy. I think Mike Norvell is going to run into a bit of that. At Florida State, I, I think the honeymoon might need to be extended a little bit because setting your culture in the spring probably would have been a critical thing for Norvell installation, all of those kind of right. things. And he's not going right. to get the opportunity to do that. Heck, they're just hoping they even have a football season. Right. And and the, and the thing about those guys at the big colleges like Norvell and uh, some of the other new coaches is he, he they've got about three days in. You know, and then they went on, and then, of course, it's over like everything else. So they had a little bit of time, but you still are trying to put your stuff in. And everybody talks about, well, they could do install through their playbook on the on their huddle or on their iPad, but that's still not the same thing as being on the field, getting the reps and running and going and getting your timing and doing that. So, so I think that's a disadvantage for them. Um at Florida State, whereas at Florida, maybe not a disadvantage. Maybe a little bit of uh, guys are going to come back a little bit hungrier. Now, one thing that I thought about too, Brett, was, you know, in this day and age where parents are like, oh, we got to, they got to go to the weight room four days a week, blah, 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 blah. Man, it's a grind. Now all of a sudden those parents are going to be like, oh no, that kid's going to the weight room and they open it up June first, and they're going every day, eight hours a dang day to get him out of the house. Seven days a week, got to make up for yeah, it. Seven days a week. And by the way, they've been they've been lifting water jugs inside the house probably. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we push ups, Brent. We've push-ups. all got workout plans at home for the kids, that's for sure. Uh, Kevin Sullivan, hey, great to catch up with you, man. Uh, let's leave you with this: Who are the Jags going to pick at number nine? Well, if any, anything that they can get to help their team. And the other thing you guys talked about, Yannick and Gakwe, you know, he's got an opportunity. The Jags are smart to do a four-year deal with him. 
and he still could get another payday at 29, too. Oh, Absolutely. I think that yeah. was a big part of it going back to last year. I think the length of that contract to yeah. get another payday, a la like a Calais Campbell, uh, was very much in play there. So it's a really good point. All right, man. Well, uh, be well. All right, guys. I appreciate it, well. but I'll take any defensive help or anybody that can start and make the Pro Bowl with that ninth pick. <laughs> I love it. Something All right. Plan. All right, guys. Appreciate it. You got it. Kevin Sullivan, uh, Andrew Jackson's acting athletic director. I don't even know if that's the proper terminology, but I'm calling him that. Uh, helped him out over there at Andrew Jackson and a Hall of Famer on the high school coaching football fields and helps us out with our ESPN Society broadcast. We're hoping we'll have Friday Night Football. So talking to Coach uh, gave me an idea for a question for you. We, we, we can do five players, Brent. I want you to select your all-dark alley team of oh, okay. players that you covered in Jacksonville. I'm excluded. Justin Jackson. Well, the players that you've covered and all the teammates that I've played with. Okay. I'll say it like that. Ah, I like this. I like that. This might be like the first ever thing. Yeah, we'll see, man. Has there ever been a dark alley team? I don't think so. Do we make t-shirts? Do we? proper, by the way? Are we allowed to say that? Dark alley team? Why not? So. It's nothing like derogatory, right? I mean, do we? Do Every we, time we start <laughs> something new, I want to make you sure people. it's not derogatory. No, I don't think anyone's going to be offended here. Okay. I mean, there, there, there are, are dark things. alleys. There are dark alleys everywhere, Brent. He's got to go searching for one. You can the find old one. Dark Alley team next on ESPN 690. Well, one thing you can learn about me is my faith. I have a tremendous faith in my Lord. And one thing about Tom Brady is I, it's understood that he is the GOAT. Uh, for you to get replaced by, by Tom Brady uh, in, a, in a city that you love so much, uh, I guess that's kudos to me. But at the end of the day, it's a competitive sport. We all in the business. Uh, so I'm excited for whatever opportunity may hold. Uh, and, and eventually, I'm going to have to play the Tom Brady's, the Patrick Mahomes, uh, <laughs> and all the other great court quarterbacks eventually. So uh, well, that's how you win Super Bowls, and, and that's what I want. That is Jameis Winston handling things, uh, yeah, very professionally. Yeah. You know, uh, be interesting to see where Jameis goes. I, I think he'll be such a fascinating study. Mm-hmm. on if he can fix it, because there's a lot to like about Jameis. There really is. And I just don't think you do things in the NFL on the good side accidentally. Mm-hmm. I also don't know if you do things on the bad side accidentally. You know, it's the NFL. If you throw 40 touchdowns or for 5,100 yards, you got to have some skill and, and talent to do it. Yeah. But you got to also have some flaws in your game to throw 30 picks. I get it. But can you fix, can you sway the seesaw one way or another, and which way will that go for Jameis Winston? That would be fascinating uh, uh, to actually uh, watch that. All right, you brought up a great question. We got it out there. The all-dark alley team for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, for me, it's the guys that I played with. Yeah, for yeah. you and for me, it's kind of who I covered. Who covered. So everybody listening, if you want to jump in, you can go all the way back. But for me, it's since like 2008. Yeah. Uh, so, and Greg Jones is on everybody's team, okay? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> unanimous first team. Congratulations. All Greg Jones, welcome to the team. Great team to have captain. you. Yes. <laughs> the, the silent assassin, let's call him. Yep. But now what? Yeah. Okay, uh, here's my first pick. Hit me with it. John Henderson. John, yeah, that's a good one. Big Obviously, John. Obviously, yeah, because you got the size, you got the stature. The guy gets slapped in the face before Ain't games. Afraid. Yeah, he's not I mean, afraid. I mean, listen, you have to be fearless in the alley. Absolutely. Yeah, so I think that's a good one. Obviously, so uh, so it's, it's four more, right? Because uh, we already picked Greg Jones. Yeah, obviously. So we're gonna have a so we, so we got four, four more. Okay, uh, so then my first team selection, I got to go to the Lions, Brent. I have to go in Dominican Sue. All right, there you go. Uh, I mean, it, it's a guy that's gonna absolutely beat you down. He's gonna hit you wherever it counts, and then he's gonna give you a lecture on uh, 
biodegradable technology for like three hours as well. So while, while he's beating you up, you can get a lecture too because he's that much of a, of a genius um, and a, a smart guy to boot. So, and Dominican Sue. Well, I'm going to pay homage here a little bit, and it would uh, be the uh, the late, great, and posthumously Vince Manawai. Yeah, that's a great one. Uh, one of the underrated Jaguars of all time. Yeah. Couldn't move that guy, man. Yeah. Now, if you got to run from the alley, <laughs> it's a little different. <laughs> for sure, for but, sure. Uh, not afraid, no, fearless, man. and you talk about man strength. Yeah. You want to talk about doing Tyson Aluwalu to service? Remember when Tyson, it was my rookie year, so Tyson, you know, held out a little bit, obviously, for his contract. That's what first-round picks did back then. Tyson comes from the plane, um, you know, from Hawaii, long flight, obviously, to Jacksonville, gets off the plane, first practice. Hey, check this out. You're going to go Oklahoma Joe's against Vinny and have fun with that. I couldn't believe it, man. But, yeah, Vinny for sure was a solid dude. I'll never forget the first time I talked to him, Brent, um, the first thing you noticed, what you noticed with him was his tattoos, right? Because the, the, the guy is covered in traditional tattoos, you know, from the island. And I asked him, like, hey, man, like, like how long did that take to do? And he's like, oh, this is only probably like about a day, day and a half. And I go, excuse me? He goes, yeah. I mean, I used to have two guys, three guys at the same time tattooing me. And, like, keep in mind, it's the, it, it was the old school way, Brett. Like, where they take a piece of wood and, like, you know, tap on it. So he had three guys at once tapping on him tattooing him in all and like every aspect of his body insane good pick i'm taking number two go and give me mercedes lewis oh good call tall strong trains mma so i feel like and thankfully we never got into a scuffle i can't believe it but we, we never got into a scuffle i'm taking mercedes lewis man and uh he's probably gonna take a selfie with you and flex on you as well because the guy's a kind of a fashionista so there we go is that the correct term, fashionista? Fashion, uh, fashionista? Fashionista is okay. Okay, gotcha. I don't want to offend anybody. Who you got, Brent? Uh, I got to think. I'm trying to – again, I've got guys I covered. Yeah. So that takes me back to 2008. It's getting a little harder for me. <laughs> well, part of the reason it's harder because I just don't want to miss anybody. Sure. Mercedes is a really good call. Yeah. Uh, you know, no, nah, I won't go there yet. Um <laughs> You know what? You know what I'm gonna say. What do you got? I want to get. I'm trying to get a current guy in. Okay. Current for now. Oh, you're going Jan? Jan, because of personality, right? I think Jan <laughs> has a switch, man. Yeah. And I think he's unpredictable. Yeah. And so I need a little of that. Yes, I think. You pe- do. I think people look at him in the alley, might say. 240, mm-hmm. eh, yeah, big guy, but look at Vince Manawai. Look <laughs> yeah. at John Henderson. Look sure. at Greg Jones. Sure. But you then that switch, man. Yeah. I'll take it, Jan. I like it, man. I like it a lot. So then if we were talking about switches, then I'm going to Chicago, and I'm taking my boy Lamar Houston. All right? Coming up with Lamar Houston, I think we got drafted in the same year. And he went to Texas. You know, he kind of had a big story around him. I think he was a second or third round pick. So he kind of had the pedigree already. But, like, when I first met Lamar Houston, obviously a defensive end, outside linebacker, just like I was, so we hung out a lot. and We became great friends. I was so surprised when I first met Lamar Houston of just, I don't want to call him a dork, but, like, the, the, the guy was, <laughs> the, but the guy's just like me. Like, he, he's into anime stuff. He's into comic books. He's into crazy music. Like, his favorite band, and Brennan, you're not going to get this, but Kuz, Houston's favorite band was Phoenix. Do you remember Phoenix? 
Ballin', ballin', ballin'. Yeah, yeah. So that was his favorite, like, band. Like, the, a guy that grew up in, you know, the inner cities of Texas, I think, listening to Phoenix. So I'm like, is this guy, like, is he really, like, what, what he's advertised to be? And then that first training camp practice, we're on the field. And he goes after the entire offensive line. It doesn't matter who it was. Goes after Martellus Bennett. Goes after Kyle Long. Didn't matter. Like, Lamar Houston just, like, flipped that switch, lost it. I'm like, oh, now this makes sense. Okay, now I see why you're, you're like a Pro Bowl player. Now I see why you can average, like, seven or eight sacks a year because you're a little bit nuts, just like I am. So, Lamar Houston, welcome to the all-dark alley team. Okay. So, I, is this my last pick? You, I got... Yeah, this is your last pick. Because we got Greg Jones. Yep. I already have uh, Vince John Henderson. Y, John Henderson. And they usually pick Yannick and Gakwa. I picked Yannick as the. Uh... <clears throat> I've got somebody. I've got a couple in mind. I'm really just trying to cr- check my list. Sure. Um, I really should, by the way, in my last pick. I mean, I got an MMA fighter right here. Yeah, but go, go ahead and exclude me. You're excluded. Exclude me. Yep. I mean, you're in consideration. Thanks, man. I appreciate I mean, that it. That must yeah. mean something. Yeah. Thanks you know, for thinking of me. And by the way, like, I want to take, like, Puzz. Yeah. See, Puzz, Puzz is honorable mention for me here. But he's, like... Here's the problem. Puzz might give you a hug, Puzz going to be in the dark alley. You're, you're going to go to the dark alley at 10 o'clock. It's going to be 10 o'clock. You call Puzz. Puzz, where you at, man? We're here. Oh, sorry, guys. I'm at the gym right now getting a workout in. Like, I, Puzz ain't going to be there. No offense to Puzz, but I can't take him. Yeah, like, Puzz, like, I know... I know on the side of Puzz, that's just too nice. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Not saying these other guys aren't, but I just can't. No. I, I can't, I can't Puzz see the gonna switch. Puzz is going to be training, man. He's not going to be in the dark alley in the first place. Yeah, that's a good point. And then also, like, another arm mentioned, Maurice Jones-Drew. Just because <laughs> if you go to the conk house, ask him how Maurice Jones-Drew is, you, they'll tell you how he is. Okay? That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> what, what, what? It's not that nobody knows, Brent. Google it. Just Google it. Uh, I want to take Puzz. I I. I I, I can't. I mean, Puzz looks like a superhero. Yeah. Like, we'd win the getting off the bus part of the dark alley. <laughs> I mean, do you take a quick guy? All right, I'm just going to go with who I thought. And I'm, I'm no passing up. this. Well, I'm try- I just don't want to miss anybody. I'm yeah. passing up Marcus Stroud. Uh, Oof, that's, that's a big pass, Brent. Never going with a quarterback. No, no, uh, no, no. You know, I had Maurice Jones Drew on my list, that yeah. rolling ball of butcher knives. Sure, scrappy. He's an Oakland guy, you know. Pocket Hercules, I know. Uh, just afraid I'm missing somebody. You know, hold on a second. <laughs> hold on a second. I, okay, so here's where I'm leaning. Okay. All right. I actually had Tyson Alualu on my short list. That's not bad at all. Um, Listen, and Tyson, you'd say he's the quiet guy, and like, yeah, would he ever be in the dark alley? I saw Tyson Alualu do like that a haka dance. I think I, I don't want to mispronounce it, but you know, like the haka. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for rookie night, he had to do the haka. And believe me when I tell you, Brent, like he must have conjured something up because it was insane. Just like the the, the intensity and the fire in his eyes when he did that dance. That was I, really cool seeing people. It do was that. A, it was a newfound respect for Tyson Alualu. Um. You know, there are some really good calls. Uh, so who I was leaning with is Marcel Darius, okay? Of course. But I'm not doing it because I just found the replacement. That's his first step in the West, and you're not going to, okay, what do you I got? know, but I'm telling you, uh, and why don't, he's not even on this list. I'm like, where, why is he on this list? Not even, oh, because not they, break the it, they break it down on, on guard play as well, uh, the, the list I'm going through. Okay. But I don't need it. I just, again, kind of double-checking. Jeremy Parnell. I see it now. I never got to play with Jeremy Parnell, but I heard a lot of things Jeremy about Jeremy Parnell. 
He's just intimidating. Intimidating, man. Yeah. And I need some intimidation factor. <laughs> and most, one of the most intimidating guys that we've covered in the locker room is yeah, Jeremy Parnell. For sure. And I actually believe he's probably like a teddy bear. Yeah, yeah. Like I, in a way, I, I just don't know that. Yeah. He never revealed that side to us. Yeah. And gosh, there were some good people. We could have gone on and on. We could oh, have a for big sure. team. Well. But it's hard not to get the offensive lineman and defensive lineman. I was looking for a linebacker a little bit. Mm-hmm. There are a couple of like couple of guys I may pick in. Like Puzz was obviously on the list. Yep. It's just when you get back to the corners in the secondary, like I almost wouldn't you in There's this kind of situation? Wouldn't you want to almost like call? It's like you know you you pick people in like yeah. kickball or dodgeball and you yeah, call yeah. Jalen Ramsey up and say. No, 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 we can't have you. <laughs> Psych. Listen, my last pick, and to me, like, it was hard, you know, because Paz is on the short list, Maurice Jones, Drew, like I said, but I'm taking Quinn Session. Uh, I had him on linebacker, I was because of him. Here's the thing there's nobody more crazier than Clint Session, okay? So if it comes down to it and we're in a dark alley, you got to be a little crazy. I'm not sure if you've ever seen the movie Heat with uh, Val. Kilmer and Robert De Niro. You've seen uh, it? No, I haven't okay, seen it, well, but I know what well, you're talking about. In the movie, Val Kilmer goes nuts and just starts like acting out. He used a wild card. Dude, that's Quinn Session. I don't know if Quinn Session is going to knock out everybody that we're going against. I'm not sure if Quinn Session is going to hit me, but all I know is there's going to be violence because it's Quinn Session. So I'm taking him with my final pick. And a fun fact, I looked up Quinn Session about a, a month ago. He owns his own juice bar now in Indianapolis. Does he really? Of all people to own, just, you know, hang out at a juice bar. Quinn Session, man. Huh. That's a good little where are they now. Yeah. Maybe we should uh, look into that when um, in June when we go visit. Jack, do we always call him Hitstick? I feel like we're missing somebody in here. Somebody so, will give it to us, but do, do we give trophies now? Like, how does this work? Do we have T-shirts out? The, the, the All Dark <laughs> Alley get... team, the ESPN 690 first year All Dark Alley team. You know, tight end's a decent spot to go at, but none of them are jumping out at me. You know, well, I said Lewis, man, Mercedes Lewis was the guy. You had it, maybe even harder. I mean, I, yeah. I'm just looking at guys I covered since 2008, and there were plenty that could have made the list. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you were talking about three different teams that you played on. Oh yeah. All right, so my list is uh, we all we all have Greg Jones. Yep. Uh, I've got uh, John Henderson. Yep. I've got uh, uh, Vince Manawai posthumously, yep. but he's on my all uh, all dark alley team. Yep. And I then uh, I went Jeremy Parnell. Yep. And then you went which I'm Yannick Ngakwe. And Yannick oh, Ngakwe. Oh, are we on the fence of Jeremy Parnell? Well, no. I, okay. I like I like, like my pick. I like okay. my pick of Jeremy Parnell. Yep. Uh, and. You know, my honorable mentions were were my first one was was Marcel Darius. Sure. Uh, and then it was Puzz. Mm-hmm. And, and then, Jones Drew was, and then Maurice Jones Drew was in there. As I tried to get a little outside of the trenches. Yeah. Hmm. I swear I miss somebody. And your Mercedes Lewis call was a good one. Yeah. And you know, my team we got Lamar Houston and Dominican Sue. Uh, game winner, uh, Greg Jones, game winner, Mercedes Lewis, and then Quinn Session rounding out the category. Honorable mentions, Kate went to Puzz and Maurice Jones-Drew. If Puzz shows up, I- I'm all in with Puzz. But once again, he-, he could be training, he could be sleeping. Not sure what Puzz is doing at that time. That would be one heck of a team coming off the bu- – I mean, <laughs> the style alone could be really good. <laughs> For sure. Like, is that a comp- – I guess a complimentary thing in football, right? What's you that? want that. You want those guys. Oh, yeah, the the, the Dark Alley team? Absolutely, yeah. man. Yeah, like, because at the end of the day, you know, the game of football, it's a fraternity. It's a brotherhood. And, and you they always say, like, you want to have your brothers back. 
Well, what better way to have your brothers back than in a dark alley? I mean, that, that, you know, like that quote has been used so many times in my life, whether it was high school, college, you know, or, or the pros where it's like, all right, guys, we're, we're going on, you know, we're, we're playing wherever, we're playing in Pittsburgh, we're, we're going in this dark alley. Gotta have your brothers back. Let's go. You know, like, that's the mentality, especially, you know, playing defensive line. So, I think it's the ultimate compliment, in my opinion. So props to the all dark alley teams. Yeah, very good. I, I love it. Uh, oh, it was I wonder, completely random. For the yeah, that was Greg random. Jones. You talk about organic. That yeah, just came yeah. up uh, as we were talking about Greg Jones earlier with Kevin Sullivan. And uh, I love the fun part about all that is, like Greg Jones, you have to put him on the team, but he's one of the nicest guys like I've ever covered. Of course. Yeah, it's like I said. I only saw Greg Jones like getting one altercation. That was that Steelers game against Woodley. But besides that, man, yeah, he was just low key, chill, did his job, you know, to the best of his abilities. But he was never kind of, you know, looking for those scuffles. Just never was about that life. Yeah. Um, what is a take us in in a locker room in the sense of where does uh, respect the level come from? Like toughness versus skill versus smarts, you know. Yeah. So uh, like, Puzz was respected. I'm not saying he didn't have any of those other things. Oh, he had it, Brent. He had it. probably all of them. Yeah. And so many of the guys have all of them. Mm-hmm. But I feel like he was respected for his smarts and work ethic. Correct. Okay. Uh, you get a guy like Greg Jones. Mm-hmm. Uh. Toughness, mm-hmm. like n- very few people built like that. Yeah. Like you just respect, you almost respect the body. Sure. Right? Yep. Because you are a 1% athlete well, playing in that same kind of sport, mm-hmm. uh, in this violent sport, and this guy is like, oh my gosh, how do you look like that? Well, <laughs> and, and that's a great question that you brought up, but you have to keep in mind it's the position, right? Like if you compare the positions, for instance, Greg Jones. Yeah, Greg Jones was a soft-spoken guy. He was easygoing, but he was physical, Brent. You know why? Because he played the fullback position. You know how much it must suck to play, and excuse my language, but you know how much it must suck to play the fullback position in the NFL? You maybe get the ball maybe 10 times yeah. for the, the whole season. All you have to do the whole time is go in the eye formation and block for somebody while they get the glory. So your whole game is predicated on dishing out injury to people, lowering your shoulder and blocking somebody. So, like, but of course that's Greg Jones. And like with Puzz, yeah, I would never mess with Puzz, dude. Puzz is a bad dude. Puzz's whole job was predicated on coming downhill and hitting somebody, okay? Like, yeah, you drop back into coverage. He makes the calls here, makes the calls here. And like he was always on point with that, getting guys lined up. But Puzz's whole job was coming downhill and hitting somebody. So like those are the type of guys that you obviously want on your team. So is it the violent nature of a player though that grabs everybody's attention? You're like I don't want to, I wouldn't mess with him, so I have the ultimate respect for him. Sure. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Like you, you mentioned, Benny. I didn't pick a fight with Benny. You know, and Benny was a quiet guy as well. Yeah. He. I mean, he was. Did anybody ever fight Benny? Could, <sighs> do you remember? Not when I was there. No. Yeah. Like, and and that's the funny thing too, because once again, a la Greg Jones, Benny was never a loud guy. Vinny was like a number of, hey, I'm an offensive lineman, check me out. No, like Vinny was very low-key, went about his business. But, like, once he crossed those white lines, Brent, you knew it was on. So, like, yeah, I never saw anybody go after Vinny. Um, I'm trying to think anybody else that comes to mind from from the trenches. But that's about it because we don't mention corners that much. You know, the corners no. are they're great athletes. They can be scrappy. Safeties, too. But once again, in safeties, it's kind of different because you come downhill, make hits. But corners... You know, it's a little more of a, dare I say, a finesse position. Yeah, like if you had that team, say, in uh, like 
Oh, Pittsburgh would be really hard to do. But, mm-hmm. you know, you got to remember, too, if you just jump into the conversation, this all dark alley <laughs> team for the Jaguars. It just kind of organically came to us. Um, and so we're, we're just flying off the, the seat of our pants. As we always and, do. But we have different restrictions. Austin, with teams he's players, he's mm-hmm. played you know, uh, the same team on. And for me, it's who I've covered here in Jacksonville. So for you as a, as a Jags fan, it might go all the way back. Uh, like somebody brought up Leon Searcy. Well, yeah, I mean, Searcy would be on it, but Absolutely. I didn't cover, uh, mm-hmm. Leon. So, um, that's a fair point, but so he might be on your team, but not mm-hmm. necessarily on my team due to, due to mine since 2008. Um, then where was I going with that? Uh, <laughs> but that's as we reset it, though. That's what we're looking at. We have yeah. different uh, different thoughts on it. Was oh, that's what I was going to say. So Troy Palomalu, mm-hmm. someone like that as a safety position, yeah, kind of feels like that guy, yeah, a little bit, right? It's like, yeah. would you want? Would you? Would he make your team again? Pittsburgh's a different animal because they have like. Twenty five Hall of Famers yeah. that that they almost would play football without their helmet yeah, on, yeah, yeah. kind of guys. Yeah. It feels like. Uh, but would he fit the criteria? So, Say he played in Jacksonville, yeah. that style, and you so, didn't have as many people to pick from. I, I think he would, Brent, because especially like the safety position, right? Like your Troy Powell Miles, especially Sean Taylor. You know, like Sean, Taylor for, Sean Taylor for the Redskins, man. Like, yeah, they're not the biggest guys per se when it comes to, you know, in terms of a football player. But they play with reckless abandonment. Yeah. And, and then they play with like, this sort of relentlessness. And if you're in a fight and you're walking down a dark alley... The two key characteristics that I'm looking for, like, yeah, size is great, reach is great, attitude is great, but you want reckless abandonment and, re- and re- relentlessness. And I think we talk about Troy Palomalu or Sean Taylor. They had that in spades. What position is the most respected because of toughness in the NFL? Offensive line, defensive line, linebacker, running back, fullback? You know what? In terms of the, the guys that I play with, it's definitely linebacker for me. Um, I think back to, like, Lance Briggs. I think back to, obviously, Puzz, Daryl Smith. Like, they're in the trenches with you, right? Like, obviously, defensive linemen, you're in the trenches, and it's always warfare. But the linebackers, they're like the generals. They're they're calling the plays, but then they're also in the trenches with you as well. So that's where the respect comes, because not only do you have to be a little insane to play linebacker, but you also have to be smart and you know, on top of your X's and O's. Are the college football playoffs headed for an expansion? Uh, some interesting data out on that this week. And we have a fun game coming up in the 5 o'clock hour that you might want to play. It's all in the way on ESPN 690. You know, I still want to be considered as one of the best. You know I mean, and I think, and I, and I know I'm going to get that for sure. You know I mean, I think just take time. You know what I mean? So I got to keep working hard what I'm doing, you know, just like last year. And I do believe the Jaguars going to put a couple of pieces around me, you know, try to, yeah. to, get, to get everything going. You know I mean? We have a great quarterback next year. We got DJ, we got DD. You know, we're going to put some pieces out together with our line. We have tight ends. And uh, I mean, I think some people going to be surprised next year. Hey, that's Leonard Fournette talking uh, live on Instagram. I mean, he must have been making the rounds. I, it was either yesterday or the day before he had one with Jalen Ramsey. I didn't see much come out of that one. Mm-hmm. And then uh, this one was with uh, Trudarius White. Time to shine. Okay, yep. from, uh, from <laughs> Brent got it. All right. Uh, I don't know. Trudarius, Traverius, Trudarius. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, and Leonard sounded calm and cool and optimistic not making headlines yeah he's so optimistic that's good <laughs> he's, he's he's an interesting guy is he, he i you know a couple weeks ago obviously mark long came on kind of ripped him there um mm-hmm. and i don't know i i didn't see all that and i still i feel like i like Len- leonard fournette as a player more than uh, a lot of even jags fans do 
And then, you know, he'll come out and say stuff like this. And that's like, hey, I want to be a part of it. But then he'll take all his Jack stuff down off his Instagram and Twitter and everything else and kind of like yeah. hint that he wants out. Mm-hmm. Just, uh, he's he's interesting. He's, he he's fun. And I think, see, that's the thing. He's interesting, but I think he's fun. I, I think Leonard's a fun guy. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of those folks in that locker room would say that. I mean, there's nobody that busts chops more than Leonard Fournette. It doesn't matter who you are. Oh, I know. I love him. And, and it, I, I mean, I think that's... That's a fun quality and a good quality of Leonard Fournette. Yeah, when we're talking about Fournette, obviously he wears the C, right? He is a captain. I think, right? He was captain last year? Yeah. Or not? Yeah. No, 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 no. No, two, no, two years, years ago. ago yeah. Where he shouldn't one, one, yeah. <laughs> one would think that this up-and-coming year he'll, he'll be a captain again, right? And I think that you know what you look for in a captain, obviously, is are you making it a distraction for your teammates? You know, are you bringing good vibes and good energy to the locker room? And now, and like you said, we had Mark Long on a couple of weeks ago, and he was very critical of Fournette posting that Cam Newton picture. You know, now, I didn't really say anything. I just drank my water jug because players post pictures all the time of other players. You know, and like, do you think Gardner Minshew saw that post? Was like, I can't believe he would do that. Like, the, the, the team is separated. Like, what are we? No, man. It's just, it's a harmless post. Maybe you know, him and Cam Newton are great friends, and they're playing around for all we know. So, and then the the, the whole point of deleting all the Jaguar stuff—that that's probably a little more alarming to some people. But I don't know, man. You know, like, if you don't come out and say I'm not happy in Jacksonville, I don't like Jacksonville. Then I'm not. I'm gonna think everything's okay, you know. And until you actually sh- say something and and show me something, I'm just gonna assume everything's all hunky dory. First time this week I said that word. You're very good. It's and been a couple and weeks. We're back absence. on track. I know, man. I'm sorry. I apologize to all the fans out there. Yeah, well, not. We're taking a lot of juice. Out I those. know, man. I know. Vegas <laughs> is pulling their hair out right now. <laughs> but listen, yeah, I think with Fournette though, man. I mean. I think it took a big step of him to go train, you know, in Wyoming and do do that whole thing, kind of cut some of, you know, his old friends out of his life and try to reshift the focus a little bit. That was a, a step to show that, you know what, he's trying to be a better football player. He's trying to grow. And I think he had a pretty good year last year, you know, and, and stayed healthy for the most part. Obviously missed the last game of the season. But once again, was that more shutting him down or actually, you know, him being injured or sick or whatever it was. So I think going forward, I mean, I know people aren't going to agree that they should give him the, the, the fifth-year deal and sign him, and, and I get that. It's a running back position. The, the running back position right now, um, if, if it was a stock, you're selling big time, unless your name is Derrick Henry. Simple as that. But to be fair, we, we talk about the Jalen Ramseys. We talk about the Telvin Smiths, the Dante Fowlers, all these guys, the Yannick Ngakwes possibly, all these guys that the Jaguars brought in, you know, high in the draft or, or who have worked really well and played at a pretty high level, uh, Allen Robinson as well. I mean, Leonard Fournette's kind of like the last guy left, Brent. Okay, he's kind of like the the last dude there, um, where it's like, well, you drafted him really high in the draft. Now, has he played up to that potential? I think he's done a pretty dang good job. Some people are disagree with me, and that's fine. But I think it's important to to still cultivate him and make him, you know, one of the leaders of your team, just because you kind of run run out of guys right now. Yeah, and again, I I don't think uh, you know part of our conversation a couple weeks ago is does he carry any trade value i think he does Mm -hmm. i don't know how much but i think he does and he'd be the other piece or maybe another piece to move and why because this might be his last year of a deal Mm -hmm. so if you're not going to resign him maybe get something for him the way the jags are structured right now not because i think the jags are better off without him just because i think that's how the business works sometimes but I, i will say listen he throws mixed signals at all of us sometimes sometimes it's like oh leonard but here's and the then thing, other though, times Brent. it's like all right, Leonard. <laughs> but here's the thing, though, Brent. 
It's at us. That's fine. Is it, yeah, right. is, is it as teammates? Well, I don't, I don't know. know because again, I don't really think as much like that. But then we had Mark on, and yeah, he kind of yeah. so everybody talks to different people, mm-hmm. and so I guess it depends who you talk to. Yeah, and uh, you know, bigger than all of that, quite frankly, part of our discussion over the last month or so when we talk about Leonard Fournette is: Are the Jags better off moving away from Fournette as the absolute focal point of their offense? Mm-hmm. And I think the draft will show. What the Jags are thinking in that sense, whether it's get another running back as a as you know that that uh, change of pace back. Down back, yeah. Whether it's get one of these receiving targets so we have more yep. for Minshew to pass. Mm-hmm. They already made some investments in the tight end spot with Tyler Eifert. So I think the draft will showcase a little bit of that. And again, it's not hey, let's just ignore Leonard. It's just not make him the lone focal point, basically the offense, or at least the main one where everybody knows it. Well, of course, and I think that's the big. Uh, that's I think that's the big pivot that is going on here in Jacksonville. Whether obviously, uh, even if he's on the roster. Yeah, I mean, the, you know, that's the whole point of I think this offseason, Brent, is if you're a defensive coordinator playing the Jacksonville Jaguars in 2020, you don't want to have your meetings go. All right, we got to stop number 27. The end. You know. Like no, you want to be like, all right, we gotta stop Leonard Fournette, we gotta stop DJ Chark, uh, Tyler Eifert's you know having a good year. Let's stop Ty, we gotta stop Tyler Eifert. They just got this new you know wide receiver, this rookie, this first round guy. He's fast, he's quick. We gotta stop him as well. Like you want to put more bullets in the chamber, you know. Like you, you just don't want to have that one bazooka where all you got is a bazooka and that's it with you know, you know number twenty seven. You want to have a machine gun where you have a lot of options. So um, I agree with you. I, I think if you can. Lighten the load a little bit for Leonard Fournette. Not only to keep him more healthy, obviously, um, and keep him more durable, but I think it helps your offense as well. I think it's the biggest thing. It's not really about a Leonard as much as it helps the offense. Yeah. The more dynamic the offense, the better the offense. All right, let's switch gears for five minutes or so for, to uh, college football. What will the college football playoff look like in a handful of years? The current deal ends 2025-26 season. Uh, and who knows if some of these things get shifted because of what's going on right now or not. But uh, uh, Brett McMurphy tweeted this out. He said 88% of FBS ADs want expanded college football playoff. Of course I do. Yeah, interesting. Uh, interesting with the ADs this is. Mm-hmm. 72% prefer an 18 playoff. Of course they do. 11% 16-team playoff. Surprise, it's not higher. 66% want eight teams to be power five champs, one group of five, two at largest. Uh, so we're getting into a lot of numbers. Mm-hmm. Interesting on here, at least I didn't see, uh, was a six team. What do you want to see in college? Do you like the four? Do you think it should be expanded? I, me personally, I like the four. Okay, because... Overall, we haven't really had these big controversies of like, well, this team got snubbed in the college playoff. You know, like the best four teams usually go to the college football playoff, all right? And the problem when you have eight teams, 16 teams, bro, this is the game of football. This isn't NCAA basketball we're talking about. This is football, one of the most physical sports you can play, one of the sports that brings you the most injuries. The last thing I want to see is you punish a team in college that goes undefeated. They bust their tail off during, you know, tr- uh, during spring ball. They bust their tail off during winter conditioning, during training camp. They're there. They have a great season, go undefeated. And now you got to punish them because they have to play three or four games and risk the injury. All it takes an injury to a quarterback, and, and your team could essentially be done. If Joe Burrow gets hurt last year, LSU, probably done. Trevor Lawrence gets hurt, Clemson, probably done. So like why are, why are we just having more games now, putting guys at more risk at injury 
when the teams that maybe lose two or three games don't deserve to be there in the first place, in my opinion. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I, I, I would, I think your point about has it really been that flawed is a pretty good one. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the teams they've put in been pretty worthy. It's been very little controversy. The Ohio State Oklahoma thing, uh, I think it was Oklahoma, but Ohio State goes on and wins a national championship. Yep. I think Alabama's been on the receiving end of that too, where people are like, should Alabama be in? Then they won the national championship. So I, I think it has worked, but I still don't like it. <laughs> because you want to see more games. Well, listen, I'm not this, give me more college football, give me more college football. I, I also don't mind people that, I don't mind 40 bowl games, watch them if you want to watch them. I just think it's so different than what we're used to and what works. And, and it's not so much better being different. Mm. You know, we're used to, in our world, we're used to brackets. Mm. We have March Madness. You know, if you play at the youth level, you have a bracket. You play at high school football and you you go into the state tournament. There's a bracket. Well, here there's not a bracket. All right, there's two teams. There is technically, but it's a two teams on each side. Yeah. That's not what we think of when we think of a bracket. Yeah. You know, we think of a tournament, and this is not a tournament. It, it, it just isn't. And so, it's still so subjective. Have they been burned by that subjectivity? Probably not. But how do we know? How do we know that one of those years, that 15, 16, potentially 17 or 18, wasn't going to win the national title, wasn't good enough, could have caught fire, might have been not as healthy earlier, but as healthy now? We just don't know. We don't know what could have happened, would have happened. But here's the problem with that, though, Brent. So say like in a world, like in an ideal world for you, you want eight teams? I think eight teams is ideal. I'm a little surprised the IDs didn't even like the six teams at all. See, here's the thing. There's five power five teams, Mm -hmm. uh, conferences. How do you eliminate one of those and and put so much emphasis on the the conference championships? Because it's it's an on-conference schedule as well. You know, I mean, to take that into account a little bit. Here's my issue with it. If you have an eight-team playoff, to me then – that ruins the greatness, which is college football. It, it cheapens the regular season. There's a reason why we all gather on our TVs and watch Alabama take on LSU. There's a reason why we always tune in to watch the Iron Bowl. You know why? Because those games mean everything. Those games result in you maybe going to the playoffs and you being at home. So the stakes can never be higher. Every single game matters. If you bring eight teams now, well, then you can assume, well, that's probably going to be two or three you know, SEC teams. So all of a sudden, ah, so you get beat by Alabama. Ah, so LSU beats you. Hey, you still got a chance to go to the tournament. You still, you still have a chance to go to the dance and get a playoff berth. Even in the Big Ten, man, it's just, to me, what makes college football special is because every single game, um, it's like life or death for you as a fan. And if you add eight teams, now those games start to lose a little bit of a meaning. Well, you know, you're right in the sense of how much it matters. But I just think logic tells me if I had eight teams and I'm putting five in, that means championships matter. Conference championships matter. If I put one group of five team, you know what that does now? It brings Cinderella to the table. Cinderella's not at the dance mm. in college football. No way. We heard that UCF wasn't going to get a chance. They could have, they could still be undefeated and they wouldn't get a chance. It brings Cinderella to the dance. And then on top of that, you know what else it brings? It brings everything you're talking about still in play because most likely you'd end up with a couple of wild card teams in essence. Yeah. Well, so that subjectivity, that every game matters still would matter. And the one thing I always go back in college football and, and usually you start the year and you say, you know what? 
is probably, I'm going to say there's eight teams that could win the national title. Maybe it's six one year and nine the other year. Well, then the season goes along and you're like, okay, I didn't see that happen. And maybe you get to 10, 11 teams. You never get more than that. You never get to more than like 10 or 11 teams. It's usually between seven and nine that you say, you know what, they got a legit chance to win the national title. Um, so I think that's why the eight fits. You know, it brings everything to the table, gives us our bracket, mm. gives us a little more football, gives us Cinderella, gives us a subjectivity of wild cards, and also really is probably just grouping together the teams that actually legitimately have a chance to win the title anyway. Well, okay, so then let's take your theory. And let's go back to 2019 of how these teams finished in the rankings. And let's, let's, let's look at the top eight teams from last year. And tell me how it pans out. Obviously, number one, LSU. Number two, Ohio State, obviously. Clemson, number three. Oklahoma, number four. Now you have number five, Georgia. Number six, Oregon. Number seven, Baylor. Number eight, Wisconsin. Listen, I'm a Wisconsin fan, but they got beat twice by Ohio State, and you lost to Illinois. You don't get to go to the playoff. Listen, I like Baylor. I'm a, I'm a big Matt Rule guy. You got beat by uh, Oklahoma twice. You don't get to go to the playoff. Like that, That's where I'm coming from. Where If you have four, if you even have three losses like Baylor had, if you have even two losses, tough luck, man. Win your football games. This isn't like baseball where you can get along with losing 20, 30 games, get a wild card spot, you're good to go. No, man. Every single game is important. So that's why I think uh, the, the, it should remain at four games. Let's bring in uh, Martin Buckley from Palm Beach Autographs Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Martin, you know what? I never thought it would happen. I never thought Austin Lane, of all people, would sit on the college football good old boy stance. Shut it down. I mean, unbelievable. It. The good old boy stance. He probably still wants the BCS around. Bring it, bring it back. I, Let's I mean, do it. We want to make all these changes to baseball, electronic umpires, Didn't full say replay. Putting words but, in my mouth. But putting good old boy words college football in my mouth. gets to lift. Putting, putting so many words in my mouth right now. It's all right, though. Erroneous on all counts. Erroneous on all counts. <laughs> hey, I'm kind of I'm kind of with Austin on this. Of course, he's bigger than you. There it is. Because here's the thing about it, and I was just listening to you can't have a team. I know what you're saying about a Cinderella, but you can't have a team with three, and then if you look back in recent years, potentially four losses at an eight that's deserving of a playoff. Yeah, can't I, do it. I, listen, I understand it. The reason why you guys say we can't, though, is because we never have. <laughs> I just think it's – but, like, should they have a chance to even be there? Should they have a chance to upset, you know, two or three teams that have gone undefeated? Let me ask you this, though. Okay, for your Oklahoma-Baylor standpoint, right? And mm-hmm. I, I understand they don't uh-huh. have three or four, but they lost to Oklahoma like two times. Yeah. Well, if Oklahoma wins the national title, say they did, all right, and they won the national title, well, you lost to the best team in the country twice. You don't deserve a chance to be in the mix of a – of a playoff? Why not? You don't, man, because every game and matters. Else was like in overtime or something, wasn't no, it? No, it was a very close game. The first one was, no, you, you don't deserve it. I mean, take Wisconsin, for example. Wisconsin went 10-4 and four last year, okay? Wisconsin got beat by Illinois. Illinois was yeah. horrible. You yep. mean to tell me, and Brent, I'm the biggest Badger fan you know. You mean to tell me Wisconsin deserves to go to the, to the BCF playoff because they got beat by Illinois? Okay, but there's one other element to this, all right? Because you're looking at standings and nobody dropped in the final polls. I understand what you're doing, but yeah, you look yeah. at nobody dropped. Uh, remind me, Florida lost to what? Georgia and LSU? LSU, yeah. Florida lost to Georgia and LSU. Sure. Florida would have probably got in that eight. Well, Florida, and Florida would have had two losses. I know, but yeah. the reason why they're ranked number nine is they didn't drop anybody from the bowl games. I got you. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, if you got thumped, it didn't matter. Like, sure. nothing moved. Okay. So, before all the bowl games, Florida, I think, would have been one of those teams where they would have looked and said, 
you know what? They lost to Georgia, who's number five, and LSU, who's the best team in the country, and they might have played one of the best games all year against LSU. They can hang with them. Ah, I'm changing your mind now, huh, Gator friend? Martin Buckley. See, Austin, Austin, see what he's trying to do. See, he's trying to play to my emotions here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I say, but then, hey, then I make the argument, well, is Alabama better than Florida? But then I put Alabama ahead of Florida. Is Penn State better than Florida? See, the problem that you're not realizing here, Brent, is if you have eight teams in the, in the BCF playoffs, playoff well then guess what man there's gonna be so much controversy now because that brings that many more people to the table saying well we deserve to be in we're a smaller school well, we don't play in a power five conference but look at our record it's better than theirs it's better than theirs it's gonna be absolute chaos brent okay and i, I don't want to see chaos uh, i love <laughs> chaos baby that's why it's all about i guess so man <laughs> hey Appalachian State getting in next year i can't wait speaking of chaos how about a big-time congratulations to our buddy Martin Buckley, who's joining us right now in Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690, and the entire family, for the new little Thank dude. You. Oh, congrats, Thank man. You. How's the baby? Thank you. Oh, he's doing awesome. Walker Lewis Buckley uh, turned a week old yesterday. A little, little uh, disappointed it wasn't Brent Austin Buckley, but that's okay. That's what it is. Uh, he was in the mix. <laughs> He's doing great, though, man. Thank you guys so much for, for saying that. We're, uh, the girls are over the moon, and uh, we're loving them and uh, enjoying all the time with them, for yeah, sure. You know, at a different time, huh? but a cool uh, cool thing from a, a happy standpoint. A, a lot of people are struggling, and there's a lot of not-so-great and concern. And, and uh, well, you just brought that, that little guy into the world, which is really, really cool. Uh, now, what's disappointing a little bit is you're supposed to be able to kind of sit back on the couch this week. Have him on your shoulder while he's sleeping and while you're kind of lounging and watching the Masters, and you just can't do that. <laughs> yep, that's exactly right. But you know what? Um, we've been watching the, uh, um, the ESPA playback. So his first Masters wasn't a bad one. Yesterday we sat there and we watched the entire 86 round. Awesome. That's a good one. Martin, you know, yeah. you know man, I respect it because you're just a, as big as a, a, like a music fan as I am. Do you, do, you, do you have that first song that you're going to play for your son yet? Like, Do you, do you know what it's going to be, or is it just kind of like he's already heard some songs, or that is what it is? Oh, dude, I love, love, love that you said that, and you know me so well. Of course. Um, the first song that I played for him uh, at the hospital was um, a song that's super uh, personal to me and always kind of – Makes me a little emotional. I played Pearl Jam's release. I wow. knew you were going Pearl Jam. I love yeah. it. <laughs> how many, so how many Pearl Jam shows? You listen to that, and uh, and then you know what? You know what number two was? What do you Casey got? Casey Musgraves. <laughs> I love it. But no, it's funny because it's funny that you bring up Pearl Jam release because so it was funny for, for every road game that I played in the NFL, I always played a song. Like, so say I, I played in Pittsburgh where I find an artist from Pittsburgh. Say I was playing in New York. Then oh, man, nice. I find an, yeah. So when I played in Seattle, well, obviously you have to go Pearl Jam and Pearl Jam release was always the song that I would play when I played against the Seahawks. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Just gave me chills. How many, uh, how many times have you been to see Pearl Jam? Um, I've seen the band nine times, and then I've seen Vetter a couple times uh, solo. Okay, and you've seen them like Wrigley and stuff, right? Yeah, so they've played Wrigley Field. Um, they've played five total shows. I've seen five there. Okay, good deal. All right, you yep. probably have to run here in a little bit. So here, we're trying something no, totally different. Yep. Uh, Martin Buffy with us from Palm Beach Autographs, good buddy of the show, and uh, now uh, a dad for the third time. And... Um, we're coming up. So in your shop at Palm Beach Autographs in the Avenues Mall, you've got memorabilia from all over the place. 
So what we wanted yeah. to do is say, you pick a piece of memorabilia out. Yep. We have no idea what it is. We promise. We have no idea. And we have to play what we're not sure of. It's like the game 20 questions. <laughs> yeah. But what we're not sure of is we really should play 10, 15, or whatever. You know what we should have done? Now that I'm no, thinking about oh, it. here we go, Coos. We talked about this for a whole but, day, yeah. and I now know. you're going to come in with the idea. I should have had Martin send me a picture of it, and we could put it on the stream. You guys can't look at the stream. Uh, Everyone wow. can be in. Uh, well, hey, that's not, a, that's not a bad idea, but I also would like the listeners or viewers whatever, to play along. Absolutely. However you're, you're listening to the show. So, And, and the, what we're going to do is we'll go through We're going to try to do it in 10. <laughs> okay, okay, let's do so it. So if we do it, and then when we're about ready to say what we think it is, yes. we're going to take a break. Okay. So we give the uh, listeners time. If they yep. want to jump in and call in and, and give us their thoughts. Well, then obviously you and I have to discuss our notes as well. And, and if if Martin can't hang on the line, well, then he can just tell Coors. I like it. But uh, that way we give everybody a chance to play along. I like this. All right, so we're going to try. I don't know. I like it in theory. I don't yeah. know if I like well, it in execution. Just don't ask bad questions. I won't be upset. Okay, right? well, let's be. You got it, Martin? You ready? I'm ready, dude. So, and by the way, this is in the store, right? This is in the store. Okay. Uh, go ahead. All right, Martin, is this piece of memorabilia, is it from a team sport or an individual sport? Oh, good first question. Individual. Ooh, Brett Bernero. I mean, I'm ready for my guess already. Uh, my next question is going to be NFL. So, nope, hey, no need to do that. I took care of it, Brett. You're welcome. Okay. Uh, I'm going to play on the emotion here of the week. Ooh. Is it Masters related? It's too specific. This, this golf related. Adam, this, this item is golf related. Okay. So you can More ask, broad. Yeah. It's all right though. So it's golf related. Okay. Um. So it's golf related. Now, see now, if we're not in my wheelhouse anymore, a lot of do you want to ask the questions? I know, but I'm I'm not. This is not my wheelhouse. Um. Okay. So is I'll this, ask another one if you want no, to. I got it. Is this piece of merchandise? Is it? A picture, or is it used in the sport of golf? Ooh, good one. This is a autographed picture. Oh, Brent, we're almost there already. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Is this a winner of a golf tournament in the last decade? Yes. That's decade. That makes it more recent. That eliminates Jack Nicholas, by the way. Okay, Austin. <laughs> That's the only guy I can think of right now. Well, because I was thinking you might be going emotion here in Jack yeah. Nicholas '86 yeah. yesterday. You know, I was thinking. Okay. All right, Martin. So for this merchandise, the guy that autographed it, is he American? Oh, good call. Yes, he. Yes, he is American. Oh, Brent, we're knocking this out the park. Mm, there he is. <laughs> yeah, should be like a twenty-one. Uh, what's that show uh, for forty-eight hours or whatever? We, we could be detectives. <laughs> we, we could be detectives, man. Is does this person play golf right-handed or left-handed? This is a, he plays it the correct way on the right side. Uh, <laughs> that was a good question right there, too, oh, man. That was we just eliminated Bubba and Phil. Man. Okay, Phil, so he's Phil right and Bubba have been eliminated. Okay. Um, all right. Uh, now I'm trying to. All right. Um, it has to be like kind of like you want me to, yes or no questions, right? In? Or not? Yeah, what's that? Did, did yeah, I think like so. Yes or no questions? All right. Um. Yeah, Joey, good jump in. All right, uh, in. Got it. is this person a multiple winner okay. of uh, majors? Yes. Multiple majors. Y'all are crushing it. 
multiple major winner. Mm. Okay. How about going. Got multiple it. winner of the Masters? Yes. Friend, uh, we're good, right? That's all we need? Mm. Don't look at me. I'm right-handed. Uh, check how many, hey, check how many uh, times Jordan Spieth won. Okay, you got it. Uh, come, hey, on, man. come on. Wait, come on. Like, I'm supposed to know, know the that, answer for that. Okay, he didn't? Or? No, he did. Okay. I just make sure. I know he did well like three years in a row there, but I can't remember if he won twice. Okay. I have a question. So this player's sponsorship, is his major sponsor that he wears on a hat? Is it a clothing company or is it a golf company? That's a good question. It is, well, kind of both. Like, it is a clothing company, Nike. but it's a big golf company, Nike? too. Brent? Nike? Yeah. It's got to be Nike. Well, Nike got out of the golf business. Oh, yeah. A little bit. Now I said more Ball questions. Club business. Well, they did get out of the club business. You're right. Balls, Brent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so Nike. Yeah. <laughs> He's a Nike yeah. athlete. <laughs> okay, let's see. We got to nail this. Three, six, nine. We got one more question. All right. Well, don't mess it up. <laughs> uh, this is. You got to be careful here now. Um. Okay. What? Uh, he would have won. Uh. The all right. Let's just say simply: Does the guy wear red on Sundays? He certainly does. <laughs> okay. No sign. No all sign. Right. But we have to be a little specific about this. <laughs> what? What do you want? It's an autographed picture. It is of somebody. I mean, we're not going to say it right now, are we? Or not? Are we gonna, are we gonna I, the, I don't listeners? think we have to take a commercial All right. break. You better believe it. <laughs> I was going to say, at this point, I think everybody knows. Yeah, for sure. Well, for sure. They're going to have to tune in to come back and find out. <laughs> yeah. Well, Stay tuned. Well, you got to remember now, Tiger didn't win a major since 2008. Sure. Right? Yep. So what I was a little curious of is in the last decade, do we have a multiple winner? Like, Bubba is a multiple winner, right, Martin? Bubbo has two uh, two um, masters. Yeah, and he would have fit in that window. So the left right took place of that. Yep. Yep. What I'm really trying to dig into, I mean, okay, so it's Tiger autograph picture. Autographed. Yep. Yep. But I was almost trying to be a little specific of like, is it at a men corner? Is oh, it a fist pump? <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, like, you is, got it. Is fist, you got that a men corner? It, dude, you just said it. it's the uh, it's the film strip fist pump from when he chipped it in. Yeah, hey, he got it. Hey CIA, give us a call because we'll we'll get to the bottom of any investigation. Brett, nice job, man. Now listen, hey, you don't even have to go that far. There's a documentary about a woman whose husband's <laughs> missing because of tigers. Potentially, we could help. That's what I heard. Carol Baskin. <laughs> we could help. We could help. Hey, all right. I, I, we did well there. That's job, bro. I don't know. I wouldn't say uh, that was a little easier for me because I knew the times. Sure. They could get a lot more difficult. You've got a lot of memorabilia in I that I look store. forward to it, man. I invite it. Hey, uh, how's, I love it. how's Tiger selling? I mean, I know not a lot of things are selling now, but give me like the last year. Oh, since last year after that round, you know, he, he was on fire. He Everything that we had for his you know, regained value and started selling and everyone had wanted 19 master stuff and everything took off. Hey, Martin, in terms of college guys going to the NFL draft this year, who do you see is going to be like the big sellers coming up? You know, we've chatted about this before. Always the quarterbacks. Sure. Um, it also depends kind of, you know, who lands where in different markets. But um, obviously, um, 
uh, homeboy from LSU, the quarterback. Joe Burrow, yep. Burrow, yep. Burrow, um, he's going to be – he'll probably he'll probably be the biggest. The mm-hmm. only thing that is kind of – you know, he it's Cincinnati, which is an okay market. It's not a huge, huge market for memorabilia, but he's still – People are going to want his stuff. People are going to, you know, want to invest in him early because it looks like his upside's so big. Yeah, what I'm interested in too, and you know, will all the see LSU's got a huge fan base. Yeah. Will the LSU folks buy Cincinnati stuff because oh, sure. what Burrow means to the LSU program after what he did last year? Mm-hmm. Will Will that yeah. happen? Yeah, I think you see a good percentage of that. I mean, you know, like there's always, you know, the the there's a chunk of Gator fans that bought a lot of Broncos stuff, you know, when Timmy went to the Broncos and they kind of jump on there for a little bit to kind of support, you know, wherever their favorite player is. The interesting thing about Joe is, you know, starting off at Ohio state and then ending up at LSU and really just having the one big year, but obviously being an amazing year. Um, it's almost more like Cam kind of in a, in a lot of ways, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's a really good uh, analogy right there. All right, last one for you. Uh, Minshew is now the guy with Foles gone, and I know that's kind of been during this pandemic. So I don't know if things will sell, you know, during this time frame. But do you think he'll hit, take another big bounce, a big bump? Given the fact that people now know, and maybe maybe we even have to wait until after the draft, Martin, but that people now know that Minshew's the guy in 2020 for the Jags. Yeah, I think that I think we're going to see a little more people kind of jump back on the Minshew mania train. There, people are going to be excited once he once we get through camp, and depending on if they bring a veteran in or you know if they do something in the draft to kind of compete with them. But if he ends up being the guy and he goes on a early stretch and wins the first couple few games, something like that. I think we're going to get right back to where we were in the, what was that about the middle of last season? Yeah, it was wild during that time. It was. Uh, Martin Buckley from Palm Beach Autographs. Go to palmbeachautographs.com if you're looking for some gifts coming up or uh, just looking for some memorabilia. 15% off the entire store right now. Right and now. you can receive free shipping on orders over 25 bucks. Hey, man, what's uh, what's next? Is it nap time for the little dude? Uh, time to eat? Yeah. He's he's uh, he's napping downstairs. I'm gonna get start some dinner ready for the kids. Um, I actually I just got a text message here from our mutual friend Mark Lowry. Um, he told me he wanted me to give a shout out to Jacob Belgrind and his family. Um, they're from Dreams Come True. Big shout out to Jacob. He's going through a tough time right now. Our, our all of our love is with him and his family. So I just wanted to make sure and shout them out. Well, we uh, will echo that to Jacob and his family. Uh, we'll we'll uh, spread that and share that, and hopefully everybody will will do the same. Uh, Dreams come true. Awesome uh, organization here in town. So uh, our best to Jacob as well. Thanks for sharing that, Martin Buckley. Say hello to the family, man, and be well. We'll do it again. Maybe next week. Uh, you got to get another item. Dig like deep it. now. Anytime, guys. You guys have a good one. Be safe. All right. Uh, that's Martin Buckley from Palm Beach Autographs. Once again, palmbeachautographs.com. We did pretty well. Oh, we dominated, Brent. It's going to get more difficult. I know. And I, I apologize. I, I lied good. to you. The game, it was a test run on the game. Yeah. I, we really didn't need to go to commercial and they come needed. back. You know why? Because our questions were that good. They were pretty good. So, yeah. like, was I not supposed to ask if it was Masters early on? Like, I had to say golf first? I, I no, you don't have to, you can ask whatever you want. I went pretty pretty but, uh, yeah. locked in. But but I think going forward though we should only do yes or no answers. Probably be a little more challenging for us, right? Because we're, we're that good. Yeah, it's good. Point. What are you drinking by the way? What is that? This is uh Body Aqua. Neighbor of mine. Okay. Look for it soon in stores. Okay. 
our, our, our shameless plug, right? I was going to say, are you on Facebook right now kind of peddling this stuff and everything? <laughs> no. Okay. Uh, but, okay. Uh, yeah, it's my neighbor, uh, retired military. Nice. And he dropped them off, and we're trying them out, and they're awesome. Nice. See that? So I got a little, one, yeah. little flavor body aqua. Okay. And then I got our official water. Nice. Here at CGC Connecticut. CGCConnecticut.com. Uh, drink 200 ounces of water a day, says Tom Brady. Better, we better do it. Uh, we'll have some uh, football conversation when we come back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. We go back to the draft. I know I was a great coach, but, you know, nobody's going to give me credit. They're going to say, oh, yeah. Well, you give me a quarterback. You give me somebody like Tom Brady, we'll see how many of those things I would have won. Make no mistake, Belichick's the best of all time. I don't disagree with Max that if you would give him a good, uh, uh, an excellent quarterback. Look, you're saying, well, let's just throw in Phillip Rivers. Phillip Rivers may be a Hall of Fame quarterback. Let's give him somebody else. Let's give him Geno Smith. Let's give him uh, whoever. And let's let's see how many uh, Super Bowls he would have won. Hey, Rex Ryan. You brought those quarterbacks there, man. You're the head coach. You had Mark Sanchez's body tattooed on your wife. What are we talking about right now? <laughs> hey, can we take? But seriously though, listen. I love Rex Ryan, man. He's a he's a great personality, and and I think he's got a great football mind. David Garrard calls him the most fun coach he's ever yeah, played for, and I believe it. But let's have a little bit of accountability, huh? Let's let's have a little bit of ownership here of yeah. why things didn't go your way. Yeah, listen. But is he right in his in in context? Of saying, would Bill Belichick have won? I don't know. I mean, where's the cutoff? Would he have won with Philip Rivers, uh, Super Bowls? Would he have won with Geno Smith? You know, well, he did go to the playoffs with Matt Castle. He went eleven and oh no, I'm sorry, I think they missed the playoffs that year, even though they went eleven and five. Did they missed the playoffs, or did they just uh, not win the division. Well, they went eleven and five. I think they missed the playoffs. Missed the playoff, actually, yeah. going eleven and five, but. So I understand his context. I mean, certainly he wouldn't have won six. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but would Belichick have had a Super Bowl with even a – I mean, listen, Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl you know, back in the day. Brad Johnson won Super Bowl back in the day. You can win Super Bowls with even just average quarterbacks. Yeah. So well, um, I think Belichick probably would have squeezed one out one way or another. But I think that's kind of what he was saying. Give me, Give me Tom Brady and – I might have a little more in my resume, too. Yeah, well, just don't sit there and tell me that you weren't responsible, or at least a part of you wasn't responsible for taking Geno Smith in the second round. Okay? You're the head coach. The head coach has input. So I don't feel bad for you at all. Sorry, coach. (laughs) I mean, what do you want me to tell you? No, I I, I just want to make sure it's in context of what they were discussing, I think, on, uh, it sounded like, on first take. Um, maybe it was even earlier today. Uh, quick shout out to those who uh, have been uh, supporting us, and, and we want to spread the message uh, as well to support local businesses here in town, and that includes uh, our official water of Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690, CGC Water Treatment, uh, Connecticut. And uh, you go to cgcwater.com, you get more information. If you need help uh, from a water uh, treatment standpoint, this is the place to go. Uh, we have it at our home, have had it for the last couple of years at our home, and uh, it's fantastic. So if you're in uh, need of that at this time, uh, make sure you check them out, cgcwater.com, and really cool people uh, to go along with it, which is always uh, a, a good thing when you're dealing with folks and can support local business as well. Speaking of supporting, I do want to mention, and uh, probably have not enough, uh, the virtual food drive mm. for – 
Feeding Northeast Florida that we have going on in conjunction with all of our radio stations here, but also our TV stations, CBS 47 and Fox 30. So Action News Jacks, the entire family uh, having this virtual food drive and would love you to support uh, the folks here in Northeast Florida. If you can uh, help your neighbor, ESPN690.com, the place to go. And you can uh, get more information on how you can help at espn 690 uh, dot com to help uh, our virtual food drive, which is a pretty cool thing uh, we're doing uh, in this time and uh, helping out uh, those in needs of virtual food drive with our TV stations and our radio stations, including ESPN 690. A couple other sports tidbits before we get to uh, one final thought on the draft today, as we like to do before the end of the show. Did you see Gurley and I think Clay Matthews saying, give, it, give me my money? Yeah. What's up LA? With that, man? How does that work? I mean, why is that? I, I don't know. My first take was like, all right, come on. You're asking for $7.75 million. you got to be careful talking money these days with everything going on. But at the same time, if they're you due their money, they're service. due their money. Yeah, so, so you're owed. And we're talking about billion-dollar business and, yeah. and teams that have a ton of money. Like, how would that even happen? Is that well, odd? Well, see, here's what I'm not really understanding with the whole situation. So they're asking for the Rams to pay them. These are incentive-based things, I, w- I would assume, right? Because you get 16 paychecks during the regular season, and you make all your money then. So I assume what the gripes would be, which I don't think really makes sense to me because Gurley didn't really perform that well, I feel like, last year, but whatever it is. But I'm not sure if they're owed some kind of incentive or some kind of workout bonus, but whatever it is, it's not a good look when you have two guys. And let's be honest, Todd Gurley, I think, is a, by all means a pretty respectable guy. He stays out of trouble. Clay Matthews is kind of the same thing. The fact that you have two different players – on two different teams now, calling you out saying, give us our money. I mean, I don't think they're making it up, Brent, so you should probably pay them their money. So here's the deal. The Rams cut Gurley, uh, obviously, a couple weeks ago. He was due, before he was due, $10.5 million in bonuses. And uh, then signed with the Atlanta Falcons, uh, of course. Um, Gurley is owed $7.55 million. But this article here from the L.A. Times says offset language in his contract with the Rams reduces the Rams liability. If he signs elsewhere, Gurley will be owed at least five million. Matthews is owed two million uh, in his contract. So it just hasn't happened yet. They haven't got paid. And uh, they want it. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Uh, I mean, I assume they could probably like usually how it works. I'm sure they get paid once they show up to like offseason workouts and things like that. But that's probably going to be taking place pretty soon. So, yeah, but they're not there anymore. So pay them. Yeah, I guess, I, I'm assuming there are milestone dates like when you get certain right yeah. dollars, whether it's uh, when the league year starts. I think one of these was, was supposed to be due on the third day of the new league year, mm-hmm. I think is what I read. Um, and, and maybe there's a little back and forth uh, in that regard. All right. Let's take a look at the draft. Mm-hmm. I did this uh, mock draft that we're going to have on the TV side on, on Sunday. And by the way, we should do this in, in a couple weeks as we get a little closer uh, to the draft. There's so many mock drafts out there, but this one's this one's good. And you can go in so many ways. And it's really hard to mock draft the Jags this year yeah. because they have 12 picks. Yeah. And you can go in so many directions. Well, I'll just give you an example. I'm thinking big men, right? So I'm going into the draft. Yep. And I'm thinking, okay, let's go big men. Offensive lineman, defensive lineman, it makes sense. I want defensive lineman first. Then, the, But if there's one of those tackles there, talk about I consider those, taking them. Talk about those first-team dark alley guys, Brent. Yeah. yeah. Well, those offensive linemen, all of them were on the board, right? Three mm-hmm. or four, depending on how deep you want to go at number nine. But you know what else happened in this mock draft? 
Akuda was left on the board. Mm-hmm. I took Akuda. <laughs> you have to, man. You have to, and then but, I want the heart lead singer there. So listen, I, I get that it's gonna be it's not gonna be televised, unfortunately. But get her on the stream and say with the number nine pick, the Jacksonville Jaguars select. Ooh, Akuda! <laughs> like you gotta do it. <laughs> Cause he, At least the Lions. Cause you're way too young, so you don't you don't understand what I'm saying. Brent gets it. You you don't know what I'm saying. You know what, Coos? This isn't for you right now, man. It's not for you right now. You just type in Heart Barracuda and you'll see what I'm talking about. The Lions maybe should do it. Too. You gotta do it, them, right? You gotta do it. It's a good tip from you. Hey, you know what? You had a great uniform unveil yesterday, or at least a mock <laughs> yeah. unveil. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. And, and so maybe you can give them a tip on this. Okay, just send a video out. So here's the thing. If the Jaguars have number, they still have the number nine pick, and Okuda's there, I'm going to personally call Dave Caldwell. They'll have his number yet. I'll get it from somebody. I'm going to call Dave Caldwell and say, hey, reach out to the – this is like in a span of ten minutes. I'm like, you need to reach out to the lead singer of heart, pay her whatever she wants, and then double it, and then have her announce the pick. Just have them perform at Daly's place when Absolutely, it opens. Absolutely, Brent. Because, you know, what we talk about, the bad optics of the Jacksonville Jaguars of past year. What a better way to put it all behind you than having the lead singer of heart sing Okuda. Enough said, man. I'm trying uh, to help the team out here. Uh, the <laughs> uh, So, anyway, yeah. because of that, yes. Derek Brown, by the way, and Javon Kinlaw were gone. Mm. But all these offensive linemen were left. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh. Well, you pass on the offensive lineman, then then there's a run on offensive linemen. Yep. And then there's some still value left at 20 that kind of gets you excited. Like maybe there's like a Judy or a Lamb or one of those guys still available. And you're like, well, I got five guys on my offensive line that I kind of like. I don't have one of these guys. So what I'm saying is you go into the draft and you're thinking, I want big fellas early. That's kind of my mentality. But the draft can throw you for a loop in a hurry. And the interesting part from the defensive tackle standpoint and the offensive line standpoint is the separation gets pretty far off. Like, if you don't take one in the first 20 picks, yeah. well, you might not take another one for like the, until the fourth round. Yeah, You really might not. So how important do you think it is that the Jags get an offensive lineman in this draft? What would you say if they don't pick one up until, like, the fourth round? Would you come out of there being like, oh, gosh, they made a mistake? See, here, here's the biggest thing, Brent, and it's something that you and I don't really know. You know, like, we, we cover the Jaguars underneath the microscope, man. We're always analyzing. We're always talking about them. But what we do not know is what percentage Cam Robinson played at last year. We don't know if that knee was bothering him or not. Now, the coaching staff athletic trainers and obviously Doug Marone himself who was a former offensive line coach he knows what Cam Robinson is and he either knows that you know what we got the most we can get out of Cam Robinson last year he needs to be replaced or we're fairly confident with Cam Robinson going forward to this season and obviously I think you know the first round picks are going to indicate what the team obviously thinks about Cam Robinson it's it, it's literally, I mean, listen, I'm sitting here saying, you know what? I bet that knee last year was bothering him a little bit. Maybe he can get better. Maybe he can improve, right? Because there's a reason why he was a first-round pick in the first place a couple years ago, right? I mean, people saw talent in him. So, second round, actually. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, second, second round. He, we, we, he's supposed to go the first round, right? He, he was, fell yeah. a little bit. That's what it was. Yeah, so there's a reason why he was kind of covered a little bit, and he fell. I mean, what it is what it is, but... I just don't know if you're ready to give up on Cam Robinson yet, and that's that's the million-dollar question right now. 
It certainly is. Where do you see then in terms of our stock, hot or cold, on oh, these is, offensive linemen so, here? Do you like them as much as everybody else has them projected in the top 15? Is there Because there's this group, right? There's Andrew Thomas, there's Wurfs, Wurfs. there's Wills. The, yeah. the, the, there's all these guys. Are we, not are, Louisville. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Big guy. Yeah. Uh, so, Do you like it? Listen, I Any like them, it. you take them yeah, all? Listen, I like it, but let's be honest here. Works right now is the first guy out of, off a lot of people's boards. Why? Because he ran a great 40-yard dash because he showed that he's a freak athlete, and that's fantastic. But how many times have we seen these offensive tackles run great 40-yard dashes, been freak athletes, and not been the best you know, pick of the draft in terms of offensive linemen? I think more than any position, we get so enamored sometimes with the, uh, you know, the attributes of being able to move fast. I mean, listen, I'm not an offensive tackle coach. I'm not an offensive line coach. I play defensive line, okay? But I've gone against a lot of offensive linemen. The best ones I've ever gone against, they weren't the most athletic coming out of college, all right? They, they didn't have the best footwork. They weren't the most um, explosive. But they were just disciplined. They were sound, and they were fundamentally ready to go. And when I break that down, like, yeah, Wurfs could be a freak athlete. Don't get me wrong. Andrew Thomas, for sure. But, like, a guy like, you know, Becton from um, from Louisville, and I don't know if you put him more at the right side or left side because he's a big cat, man. He's big. a mauler. But, like, that's something you can't teach, right? Like, you can't teach 357 pounds. And athletic. Yeah. Right at five, you know, and once again, take the 40-yard dash out of it real quick. But just look at the way the guy moves. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's intriguing. So, listen, I think overall, obviously – you know, if you see the Tennessee Titans this past year, I think there is definitely a premium on offensive linemen for sure. But um, the question is, which guy? Wouldn't hate if the Jags got an offensive lineman. Uh, that is your hot or cold draft stock brought to you by Bold City Heating and Air. Give them a buzz if you need to. It's really hot out there today. So if you have any problems with your AC unit, Bold City Heating and Air, give Merzer and his staff a call. They'll take care of you. 904-379-1648. Tell them we sent you or visit them at boldcityac.com. We'll do it again tomorrow. We'll call it Fins Up Friday, JU Dolphin Day here on the show. Have a good night, everybody. We'll see you on TV, CBS 47 and Fox 30.